everyone, this is episode number 106 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is June 15th, 2018. I'm Robert Ring. With me is Mr. Jay Totoro. Hello, sir. And Mr. Jay David, otherwise known as Gaming Jay. What's up, Jay? Hello, hello. Uh, not much. Good to have you back. Yeah, good to be back. Nice to be uh, enjoyed and welcomed back. <laughs> it's always fun. I think our listeners like like our guest hosts better than they like <laughs> the main hosts. Because whenever <laughs> you have them on, they're always like, oh, I love it when, when you have those guys on. And one time somebody said, my favorite host of the game of the Classic Gaming Podcast is SNES Drunk. <laughs> 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 so, thank you for coming on. Oh, yeah, of course. Always a blast to... Uh... Come chat retro games with you guys. Oh yeah. So uh, I before we before we talk about games, I did something that everybody needs to do once in their life, and you guys may have already done this. I finally got around to watching The Room. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> have you all? Did seen you know it? anything about it going in? All I knew was that it was like really terrible. That's all. Like I didn't know anything. Right. I, 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 didn't I knew know it was how like, terrible. Did you? I knew it was really terrible, and I knew it was like kind of like an erotic drama or you know like at least like a romance drama an type. erotic drama that's yeah, interesting that's a, thank you i was thinking <laughs> <Yeah>. the same thing <laughs> but so i take it you guys have seen it it sounds like unfortunately oh, yeah. yes <laughs> holy shit this movie is like it's one of the few movies i've ever watched that was as bad as people make it out to be that's yeah. a good point like people but, but it made it awesome because of it right oh yeah oh absolutely that's the whole reason to watch it is because it's you know it's just like plan nine from outer space uh it's it's basically like like a modern day ed wood movie just not with any sort of science fiction or anything like that right it's uh so the same guy anybody who's not familiar with it the same guy wrote it produced it directed it starred in it and uh did whatever else you can do i guess and, I think um, there a mystery how it was funded. Isn't there, isn't yeah, there it's a like a, like how? no, like he he's like never really explained where he got all the money from, but he had like this like infinite source of money that he was able to use. To I mean, make. not that it was a you know high quality movie that required a lot of money, but no, I did a little research. It cost him six million dollars to make it. That um, garbage heap was six million dollars. <laughs> yeah, and part of the reason was like they didn't get like they didn't. There were so many things that they didn't schedule out very well. So like. They had to, like, find new actors, like, halfway through. That's why, like, at some points, like, some random person will come in and start talking. You're like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and then, like, some people disappear halfway through the movie. And then one thing I read was that he, <laughs> he didn't know the difference between uh, digital and 35 millimeter film. So he filmed it in both. Uh, yeah, I heard that. And then, and then, like, compared them afterward to see which one he liked best after he filmed the entire thing in two different formats. He subsequently uh, defended that. There's actually interviews where he's like, say, he's trying to like justify why he did that, but yeah. it's clear he didn't know the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said something like, "I didn't have the correct info or like all the information to explain what the difference was, or something like that." Yeah. Why would you even try to defend that? But like, I love how. <laughs> This movie I mean, was like his life's work, though. Like he really cared about. it. I know it's it's really sad. Like in that sense, like I feel kind of bad, like talking about it so bad. But everybody it's like, does. The whole world does. I know you can't. But it's like it's one of those things you just can't ignore. It's like there's no way around it. It's it's a freaking terrible movie. And uh, the thing, sorry, go, well, go ahead. I was gonna say the thing that makes that movie crazy. I think is that 
it feels like it was written by someone who's never interacted with a human before. Like <laughs> yep. someone who's only read about humans in books and's like, oh, so they talk and they tell jokes. Okay, I'll write a movie about that. And oh my gosh, that is yep. so accurate. They do that and they say like a lot, like there's a lot of like cliche lines. Like you're like, oh, well, they took this from like a TV show 20 years ago. You know, like so many shots of it look exactly like Full House also. It literally looks like they like ripped footage from Full House. Like on some of like the like... Some kind of weird twisted Full House maybe. <laughs> some kind of weird twisted Full House. And uh, my wife pointed out that like half the time when he's done talking to somebody he goes, give me a call if you need anything. <laughs> See, I didn't notice a lot of this. That's so and funny. It, and the actors like switching in and out. I didn't even notice that either. Oh yeah. Well, it's not actors switching in and out, but it's like a new character will come in. So oh, it's, okay. It's like they were basically filling in the part of the previous character, but they, they're not, they don't call them by the same name, but it's like just somebody randomly will be there, like all of a sudden super involved in what's going on. You're like, who is this? And, uh, oh gosh, there was something else about the, oh, oh, and like whenever, like 50% of conversations end with, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> like they'll be talking about something. They're like, why'd you do this? And like the first person will bring it up. And then somebody asks them about it. And they're like, well, I don't want to talk about it. And then when he's talking to the psychologist friend, he goes, uh, he starts off with something. He says, I think, um, you're a psychologist. Why don't you help me figure this out? And then after the guy says a few things, he goes, you're always trying to play psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> But one of the funniest things about the movie was the, well, besides like, okay, there are very many funny things about the movie. I was going to say. There's the scene where they're like all in tuxedos and then, and then one of their other friends arrives in a tuxedo. And for some reason when he walks in, they're like, oh, look at you, (laughs) even though he's dressed exactly the same as them. And then what do they do when they're in tuxedos? Oh, they go and play football. That's, that's the, that's why they got dressed up in tuxedos apparently. And then, uh. Isn't it in an alley too? Yeah, they go play. Yeah, they go play football Tuxedo in an alley. Tuxedo wear an alley football. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, and two other things. I mean, there are, you could talk about this forever, but I'll just stick to two more things that that stood out to me. One, the music was so weird. It sounded like it. Yeah, it sounded like it a fantasy, weird. like a fantasy film of some sort. Like I expected little elves and stuff to be hopping out from the music that was playing. Also, this is the only movie I've ever watched where. I was where where I was bored by the sex scenes. I was like, oh, it was, it was all about him. It's so creepy. Yeah, you saw his butt like any time. And there's like there's ten minutes of sex in the first fifteen minutes, and I'm like, this is like just get on with it. I've never wanted Seriously. to get past this sex scene worse. Like so he, gross he's like 50 in the movie too. Like yeah. is he not really? He's yeah, like fifty-ish. He, yeah, he's, he looks like it. That's incredible. I didn't know that. Ugh. <laughs> I'm so glad both of y'all have seen it. Yeah, I watched part of the disaster on it with Lisa, or at least the first like 20 minutes. I was oh, like, was that any good? I didn't like it. Lisa, Lisa really? watched all the way through. I, I just felt like you, you get the gist of it after 10 minutes. He's good at, at, at you know impersonating him and making fun of the movie, and like I get it, but I was just like, it, it just felt like the room all over again. Like I don't need to see that again. Like it just, I don't know. I, it didn't do anything for me. I get the idea, like the whole idea behind it, but I love I the think part if you've seen the room. Then. The disaster artist might do something for you, but for anyone who hasn't, I know some people who tried to see disaster artists without seeing the room, oh, no. and they just didn't understand it. And I was, oh, like, yeah. like, don't don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Because it, it's probably impossible to believe that a movie could be that bad. Yeah, I didn't believe just it. Think it was weird it. fiction. 
Yeah. I didn't believe it going into it, to be honest with you. I love when, the- like, I, I heard about it. I saw it. I was like, oh my gosh, it's actually this <laughs> it's bad. It's actually this bad. <laughs> I like when the uh, um the guy's got his gun to that kid's head because he like owes oh, him some yeah. money for drugs or something. And, he wa- and the main guy walks in and sees him. And his idea when he sees the guy with the gun to his friend's head is just to rush him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just runs after him. Like, to be the hero. Down. Yeah, he's an all-American hero. Stop, please, you tear me apart. <laughs> <laughs> he's also dressed like a retired goth the whole time. Holy like, shit. Like, he's got this long black hair, and he's, like, in all black all the time. Yeah, shirt's, like, three sizes too big. Baggy pants. Baggy like... pants. Do you think it was just, like, money laundering or something? <laughs> it's possible. I'm serious. Like, $6 million for that? That has to be money laundering. I, love... I heard he was selling counterfeit jeans, to be totally honest. But that could Are, you be being ju- Are you being serious? Yeah, I heard that he made his money selling yeah, jeans, and they might have been counterfeit. <laughs> Is that a thing? I know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> a lot of money in jeans, apparently. I like when he's also playing the second scene where he's playing football with his friend, and they <laughs> end up, like, hugging each other and, like, <laughs> rolling around. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> Ugh, you're bringing so many bad memories up on this. Yeah. Uh, let's talk, why don't we move on? We'll move on from... Yeah, uh... I think we've talked about this a little too long. That's a good call. <laughs> Go see The Room if you haven't seen it already. Go see it? You mean... Watch or go online. well, fucking watch it. Watch it <laughs> yeah, in whatever means. They still play theaters. I think it's like occasionally shown, kind of like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, at like small uh, theaters, <laughs> kind of thing. But yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Just You're killing Robert J. Now that we've talked about it, it's gonna. I'm gonna randomly think of more things all throughout the podcast. That I'm gonna have to point out. Uh, so let's get moving on, and maybe we'll return to that later. Hopefully not. Though. Sounds good. Okay. Um. We had E3. Let's talk about a couple very quick things before we talk about E3. Uh, two non-E3 related, classic gaming related news. One is Chrono Trigger for PC, which is kind of turned up to be a disaster. This is a very terrible port, uh, essentially. They are still making fixes to it. Apparently, now they have made some changes to the speed of the game and to the menu system. So that it's like more... Said it works better. My understanding is they basically ported the uh, mobile version, like the iOS. That was the bad one, correct? Yeah, to for the for the PC port, and so it turned out about as good as you can expect, given that. Why would they port the mobile version? I have no idea. That's what everybody was asking. I I remember seeing some some posts about this. That's exactly what people were asking. Like, why are they porting the worst version? (laughs) Yeah, and they didn't like change much of it control wise either. Apparently. So I don't know how it works exactly, but I did read that they made some changes to the menu uh, to the menu system. Uh, so like it works ba- more like you would expect it to. Uh, so that's so they're still working on that apparently. Also, uh, a game, a Sega CD game called Double Switch, which is a uh, live action full motion video game, kind of along the lines of uh, of Night Trap, is getting a re release on PS4. So it's not it's not a Re, it's not a remaster or a remake or anything like that. It's purely just the original game. They're just putting it on a uh, limited run games is the one doing it. They're putting it on PS4. So that's kind of fun and interesting. It's it's not a good game by any means, but it's one of those. It's like it's kind of like watching the room. It's like you're not playing it to to play a good game. You're playing it just watch cheesy <laughs> acting on a from a Sega CD game. And it's it's really cheesy. I haven't played this, but I've I've seen a little bit of it, and it's it looks far worse than uh like. Night Trap, for instance, wow. as far as the acting and stuff goes. So that's was happening. There, were there any really great games for Sega CD? Sorry, just to... 
I never had there one. Was... I remember they were like weird, kind of like very like pre-YouTube videos. Everything was very grainy. Yeah, exactly. Everything was very grainy, particularly well, particularly if it had um if it was live action stuff. That stuff was all yeah. very, very grainy. Sonic CD was generally considered very good. Okay. Uh Feed, which is a top-down shoot 'em up, that was also considered very good. I played Silphied a while back for the podcast, and it, it, it holds up fairly well. It's not fantastic, but it is pretty good. There's also um there are there are several others. There, there's no like real like oh you gotta buy a Sega CD just to have this game type thing, but um there's a but a Hideo Kojima made a made a game for it called Snatcher, and oh actually I have heard of Snatcher. Okay, yeah, that's on there. I have not played it. I plan yeah. to eventually. It's like a cyberpunk adventure game, yep. right? Like, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, cyberpunk stuff's awesome. Yeah, uh, that one actually I have heard of. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure there are other. I'm sure there. I'm, I'm missing out a few, but yeah, I don't think there are very many like huge must-have Sega CD games. I think I always just think of the ones that did have the live action video. And oh uh, right, yeah, 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 <laughs> like Night Trap, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean Night Trap is kind of like a, a must-play just for the historical aspects of it, but it's it's not a good game by any means. Right. Yeah. And then there were like good versions. There were there were games on it that were really good, but that were also on like basically every other system. Cool. Um, so E three happened. Did you guys watch much of this? I did. A little bit. A little bit. I only sort of heard things through the grapevine. I'll be honest. I mm-hmm. did not really keep up with it this year. Yeah, I actually watched a good bit of it for the first time ever. I did the opposite. Like I usually just do what you do, but this time I actually did watch. Not all of it by any means, but I watched a fair amount of it. Um, I'll go through the notes I have, and if you all have anything to add, uh, feel free to do so. I guess sure. classic gaming wise, the the things that before we 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 can talk about the other stuff that we thought was cool too. But just to start off with purely the classic gaming stuff, these are the notes I have. So, Grim Fandango Remastered is coming to Switch. That's pretty cool. Uh, they released that on PC two and a half, maybe three years ago, and they're putting it on Switch now. That's pretty sweet. Um, Two Point Hospital, basically a spiritual successor to Theme Hospital. They showed some stuff oh, for that. I didn't hear about this. That's exciting. Yeah, I thought you would be excited about that. I love Theme Hospital. Again, so fun. Yeah, it's basically, I mean, it looks, it's like the Who's exact same game. Uh, I don't remember. It should be EA, because I think they're the ones who bought Bullfrog. Well, it's not, right. it's not like a real sequel. So, Oh, okay. you said it's a spiritual successor. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um. So there. So and but, but I mean, when you when you see video of this, it is theme hospital, just with you know different types of stuff. I'll give it a shot. I mean, I'll take a look at it. Yeah. Um. Battletoads. There's going to be a new Battletoads. I heard of that one. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> interested to see how this pans out. This. I'm not by any means going to expect this to be good. I mean, it could very well be good. It's it could lie anywhere on the spectrum, but if it's done really well, it could be really it could be really neat. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic for that one. Yeah, that's kind of how wow. I feel. Battletoads was like a game that everyone, or at least everyone I knew, really loved for the NES. But right. if you ever go back and play it, it's freaking brutal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's, it's brutal. Oh yeah. Uh, so I don't know, like uh, as long as they make it playable, <laughs> um, and they don't yeah. totally mess it up, it could actually be 
Not bad. Not bad. So we'll see. Yeah. Ubisoft is making a Star Fox game. That I didn't hear about. What yeah. kind of Star Fox game? Uh, like a real Star Fox game. Like a oh, not a spinoff. It's a well. F- for they didn't show anything, but they made it look like what? it's a real Star Fox. You know, third person behind the spaceship shooter game. Yeah, but Robert, it's Ubisoft. It's Ubisoft, but means it's not going to work after launch. <laughs> but keep in well, but keep in mind, the last Star Fox game was made by Nintendo, and it was not very good. And Ubisoft did make Mario and Rabbids, which was very good. So this could... I, I am optimistic about this one. That's a interesting way to sort of say that it could be good. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'll take a look when it comes out. I have no reason to not expect it to be pretty good. We'll put it that way. So, interesting. I'm surprised Nintendo is handing over such a big franchise to yeah, me uh, too. a party developer. Yeah, I kind of am too. Um, I don't know if it's more because their last entry wasn't that good or you know maybe they're just working on too much other stuff because i was gonna say i think they might be working on too much stuff that's probably that would probably be it yeah because i mean it seems like they got a lot of show too much off they showed a good amount off this weekend but i think they have a lot more in the works i think we're gonna see a lot more yeah probably you know what i always wonder about that with nintendo because they have so many franchises like things they're not even doing anything with like f-zero yeah. and metroid and stuff yeah. uh-huh. like they could easily expand and like have more teams to do more games it always yeah. seems like they don't have enough people I-, I don't get why they don't get bigger f-zero is a good one robert and i were talking about that recently there hasn't been an f-zero game <laughs> robert i, I think we're, we're, we're talking about robert, or is it somebody else it's probably me yeah f-zero okay. uh needs more games <laughs> Bottom Nintendo line. probably has the most amount of like bankable franchises that they're not doing anything with, I think. Yeah. Of all companies. Yeah. That's probably true, yeah. Um, next up, and the last of the classic related stuff is Metal Wolf Chaos. Um, this is a pretty famous Xbox game that um it's a mech game, and it never made it to the United States, although the Japanese version does have English subtitles. Um, it's a mech game where you play as the president of the United States controlling a mech to like oh, take obviously. back to save the United. Because name gives it away. There was some sort of coup, and somebody <laughs> took over the government. So you're the president, and you play. Uh, you take you take control of a mech, and you're fighting to bring to take back America, basically. Wait, was was the coup in Japan or America? It was in America. I just looked up the screenshot, and there's all this Japanese signage everywhere in the game. It all. So you're the the American president in America with Japanese. Language everywhere? Makes sense to uh, me. I guess so, yeah. I, the, from what little I've seen, it starts off, you're fighting basically on the White House lawn in your mech. Okay. Uh, and it's got really, really terrible voice acting, like just really corny voice acting. It, it's become like a cult hit. Just because Sounds of like how... room of video games. I was just going to say that. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could be. Oh, that's so creepy. I've never played this, but I've, I've seen some of it, and it is really funny to watch. Uh, and so, um, uh, Devolver Digital is basically bringing this to the States. They're, they're doing like an HD version of it. They're, they're not changing the game or making a new version of the game or anything. They're just remastering it and bringing it to the States. So that's pretty exciting i think that's really cool um that's all the classic gaming related stuff i have uh anything else that we want to talk about 
Super Smash Brothers. Are you kidding me? Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> I think that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah. I, I that was when I say I watched a little bit of it. I watched the tournament. That was about the extent of my E3. And then I just read Cliff Notes on on everything else because I don't really. The live, I'll be honest with you. The live stuff is is kind of eh. like I, I like when they when they have the people just sitting up there talking about games. It's I'd rather just read the Cliff Notes after the fact, except for Super Smash Brothers. Which oh Nintendo, what are you doing to me? You know <laughs> what I game. Ooh. It I'm looks so awesome. Excited. I I don't mind oh, listening yeah. to the people talk and seeing, but what I don't like is when they're like basically pontificating about how video games are the future of mankind and it, yeah. Oh, yeah. gamers yeah, like make the world a better place and <laughs> the future yeah. is in our hands as gamers. Yeah. Like well, well, so what I said, more so what I was saying is I hate when they put people up there that all they're doing is circle jerking the game and they're not actually talking about like key points of the game or they're not critical on certain elements of it. Like they just, I don't know. I'd rather them kind of talk. I know, I know they're there to like present and show the game and everything, but I would just like it to be more real because every time what we see at E3 is obviously, well, not obviously, but a lot of times it's not exactly what, what what's there upon release. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It feels like a like a Steve Jobs Apple prison. Oh my time God! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sold though. <laughs> so Smash looks, Super Smash Brothers looks oh, pretty awesome. Smash if for no other reason than it has Solid Snake. Every character. It has every character. Except Sonic. Waluigi. Yeah, except Waluigi. Oh, you, can just, you can just put play as the purple suit for Mario and Luigi. <laughs> it looks like Waluigi. It's so funny. <laughs> or better yet, you can just play a solid snake. Yeah, art that's another one. <laughs> Did you see that uh <laughs> they flattened his butt out for the game? Oh somebody, I thought <laughs> somebody took it. Somebody's too oh. voluptuous. They had to for yeah. decency. That's not the first time I've heard about comparisons. Huh? That's not the first time I've heard that in a video game, oddly enough. Solid Snake's butt being flattened out? No, them having to flatten out somebody's butt or smooth it out because it was too voluptuous. Oh, yeah. Especially you when it's third person. I would love to have been in the office when they had that conversation. <laughs> where they put his butt up on like the big screen and they're all looking at it and they're like, well, we could probably shave that down a bit. What do you think? <laughs> the DoorDash, DoorDash guy arrives to deliver lunch and he's like, the fuck did I just fucking do? <laughs> or better yet, did Nintendo get a complaint? Did somebody call in complaining about <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I do not want my kids playing this game. <laughs> Solid Snake's ass is too good. <laughs> We're getting a lot of complaints about Snake's ass. We gotta do something. <laughs> Make it bigger. Make it bigger. <laughs> uh, what else? What else looked exciting? Is there anything else that looked cool to y'all? Uh, did you guys see Cyberpunk 2017? Yes, that looks pretty sick. Yeah, it's still very far away, so who yes. knows if it will live up to expectations, right. but... We were just talking about Snatcher. I mean, I just I, I love cyberpunk stuff, and Cyberpunk twenty seven seventy seven looked awesome. I thought. I hope I it's too. one of those another one of those titles that you see D three, and I hope it's that cool in in play. But it's one oh, of those yeah. games that makes me nervous. You know what I mean? Like it could be amazing. Yeah. But... It reminded Ooh, me a bit of. CD Project Red. CD Project Red. Yeah. yeah. It'll, 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 it's, uh, that makes me a lot more optimistic about it. Oh, yeah. With you. Like, if really it was good. Rockstar, CD, CD Project Red. like yeah. Right. Um, watching the demo of it, though, did remind me a little bit of Watch Dogs. How, like, when the original demo of Watch Dogs came out, it looked awesome, but then the game was uh, far less than the demo showed. So, All right. I'm hopeful that is not the case here. Yeah, I will definitely look more to that game. That game looks pretty interesting. Was there anything else that looked crazy interesting? There was some other stuff. Cuphead 2, first off. Yeah, that's super exciting. That game, that game is so fantastic. I'm so impressed with that. I still haven't played that. 
Oh man, I played a little bit. So I don't, I don't own it. I've only played a little bit, but it is. It's, it's just fun to watch. Like, yeah, it's fun just to yeah. watch that. Even if you don't do very good, it's just fun to like look at the game and listen to it. It's and, fun I mean, to watch that's, people that's, figure out the bosses and mechanics too, because like you know they're struggling and they, they keep trying different things. And I don't, it, it's just a really, really cool game. And the music, I always forget about how great the music is and the visuals. Oh, it's just, so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm just saving it. I, I'm not not playing it because right. I didn't want to. I'm just saving it. Hipster. You know what looks? <laughs> I was so surprised that this game looked so interesting to me. The the new Forza game. Um, I forgot what it's called. It's Forza. I, I don't remember what it what it's called, but it's a Forza game, and it's basically an open world racing game, more or less. What? And it just it's keep playing open world to everything now. It just looked. <laughs> it it sounds stupid as hell, but it looked so so good. And I don't even have an hmm. Xbox One. And I was thinking like. Am I, I going to have to play this game? <laughs> I'm not I'm not huge into car games. I don't have an Xbox One, but something about this just looked awesome. How how about the uh the FIFA memes? I didn't see any <laughs> Did of that. Did you see that? They were they were promoting the FIFA 19, so they're like the guy goes, "Um, so right now you can download FIFA 18 for free." Crowd is dead silent. And the other host is just she just bends, <laughs> she like doubles over laughing. She's just cracking <laughs> up at it. And he says it again. And then it's like it's just so funny. Like nobody gives a shit. <laughs> I got um, FIFA's really FIFA's actually a really really big game, but it was just fun. yeah. It's a very specific audience, though. I think you I'm, know. I'm not not to be racist. I think it's big in China, isn't it? I think it's like super um, big. In, I, I think it's big in Korea. Is it? There's not a well. I've heard that it's one of the bigger. I believe it's one of the bigger esports. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think like I top think, five. Maybe? I I think you're right. Yeah. So even, I remember one year even, no, I remember even when StarCraft was so big, StarCraft 2 was so big, FIFA, I believe, was still bigger than that in South Korea. No offense to StarCraft, but StarCraft was never that big. Like, comparable to, like, what we're looking at today, it's like, it's just a drop in a bucket. Also, did you see, so the Super Bowl is well, no, it, it was bigger than it is today. Yeah, but not, I mean, it was like, tournaments were not peaking at where other games are peaking today, not even close. Oh, no, no, like, no, I'm talking about back, I'm talking about oh, early six or days. seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, did you see, so um, the Super Bowl this year got 71 million viewers. Do you know what league's uh, mid-season invitational got? No. 121 million. Jeez. <laughs> Most, it was like, I was, people are joking. People are like, 120 of it is, is uh, China. <laughs> wow. No. That's crazy. Like, that's big numbers. There's a lot of people I in like China. It it's, it's sort of like, it's, you know, our time now. <laughs> our time has come. Our time has come. Yeah. The it's exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. I, I hope that StarCraft maintains like where it's at though, because I do love watching StarCraft still. Yeah, I uh, still like watching StarCraft as well. I haven't watched it in a very long time. I watched the whole tournament this week. It was very enjoyable. I watched oh, I watched two things. Cla- classics. I watched WCG Day Nine versus his brother in uh, WCG two thousand five. Oh, that's cool. Oh, such a fun series to watch. And then I watched Who won? one Day uh, Nine one. Oh, Day Nine smashed his brother. <laughs> it was so stupid. So uh, Day Nine beat Artosis to get to the semifinals, I think, or the, mm-hmm. no, the quarterfinals, and they grouped everybody alphabetically. So he was guaranteed <laughs> to play his brother. Yeah, two thousand five. So um, <laughs> they had one one commentator to commentate all the games at WCG that year. <laughs> wow. So imagine the commentator who knows a couple games having to cast StarCraft. Oh, so even like different games across the like, oh, yeah. actual different Oh, games. yeah. He just stayed on stage and cast <laughs> all, it, all these different oh, wow. games. Oh, wow. That's yeah. hilarious. Now let's go ago. to Street Fighter. 
Yeah. <laughs> wow, man, that's that's really Sometimes funny. It changed such a classic. Yeah. Jay Tottero, what uh, thoughts on Fallout seventy six? I'm I'm hesitant about it. I'm a little bit nervous to be honest with you. I want to see more of it, but I don't know. I, I'm not super excited about it. Not yet. You know, I I honestly thought. This was another one that kind of surprised me as to how interested I was in it and after seeing it. Even though they didn't show too much, I don't know what it was, but after seeing it, I was just like, Did you okay, see this kind of looks though? neat. Yeah, I saw the whole thing. That turned me off. That turned me off quite a bit. I don't know. What I did they under- call like, it? Online, was it like multiplayer survival game or something? What do they call it? I think so. More Something like that, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That just made, I mean, Fallout 4 was, was such a such a letdown. Oh, I know and it was. It just, yeah. it just makes me. It just makes me think they're they're going down the same path. That's that's what that description means says to me. Just because of how repetitive and just, I don't know. It just doesn't excite me. I, I really wish they would have done another another um, main title, and just smashed it. But it's whatever. Yeah, we'll see. Money's in online these days. Very true. Everybody wants to do a battle royale, or they want to do an open world oh, game. Pretty... Yep. Yep. Seriously. Well, at least it's not Fallout Battle Royale. I would. I was not. I would not be surprised. I wouldn't have been either. (laughs) But they didn't. So that's okay. (sighs) So sad. Anything else about E three? Oh, go on. There was one thing I thought was really funny. Um, Who owns the rights to Command and Conquer now? I think it's it's EA. EA. Yeah. Yeah, Did you see what they said about it? So they did some mobile release of a Command and Conquer game, and it was dog shit. And their excuse was the RTS series. The RTS uh, genre is dead. They released like an absolute <laughs> dud, and they were like, "RTS right. genre is dead." Sounds like like, are you kidding me? Yeah, there's such, ugh. <laughs> That's like the excuse when movies don't do bad, and the studios are like, "Well, people reviewed it poorly." It's like, yeah, yeah well, it was a bad movie. Yeah, <laughs> what did you want them to do? Talk positively about a turn? Yeah. <laughs> like no, all RTS genre something. isn't dead. You made a bad RTS game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else about E3, or you guys want to move on to the games we've been playing? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Um, Jay Totoro, how about you start us off? Sure. Uh, Talking about my game of the week? Yes. So I played a PC game from 98. Uh, I played Delta Force, which is um, a uh, FPS. Excuse me. Sorry. It's a tactical first-person shooter. I played this game a decent amount of have you played it? Uh, we, yeah, we used to play this all the time in uh, yeah. in college. I don't know what it was, but not, not for any particular reason. But one of my friends just happened to have it, so we just played a lot. And uh, I just remember us always. I remember one of my roommate, or not my one of my roommates, but one of the guys in my dorm always saying, "Hey, want to play some DF?" DF. Oh man, I heard that <laughs> one. My brother and I did a lot of acronyms like that back in the day, but not for not for Delta Force. <laughs> this was actually this was one of the first games that we actually land a lot. It, it was then became Half Life. We did a lot of Dungeon oh, Keeper. Really? Of, yeah, and th- this was a very fun game because we actually. So I got this on a demo on a demo disc way back in the day from like Walmart or something, and we played through the demo. And it was really fun. Um, I really enjoyed certain aspects of it, and like it just. The destructible environment was kind of cool, and, and you know, obviously it was very low-key, and it only had so much memory, but it was very cool for the time. Um, so we ended up buying it. I played through the single player. I didn't really enjoy it that much. I thought it was very repetitive, kind of simplistic. I didn't get super far in it when I was younger, uh, but then we played a ton of multiplayer. Um, so this is a, it's considered a tactical FPS. That's, I'm just reading it. But, um, this game is, is just an, an old-school FPS. There's some really fun weapons, and there's a little bit of strategy. The tactical uh, part of this is really your loadout. Um, prior to going to multiplayer games, you can kind of pick your loadout of weapons, similar to a lot of other FPSs. And it, so it makes it kind of unique to at, at the time. Again, at the time, um, this was kind of a unique concept where you could basically 
strategize with different types of weapons, and then obviously certain weapons were better against other people. Um, this time, obviously, I didn't have money to play with, so I played through a good chunk of the campaign. Um, it was very easy, um, and it was it wasn't it wasn't as good as I remembered for a couple reasons. One, the graphics are so old and so dated that the scenery blends way too much with with everything oh, really? everything kind of blends yeah it blends really poorly especially like i was i was approaching a town and the town blended very very like way too much with the background and there's like palm trees and there's buildings and there's people and then you hear gunshots coming out so i'm like okay somebody's shooting at me i have no idea where they're coming from the sound it's not directional at all so you just hear a gunfire and you're like Okay, so I'm going to spin in circles until I see there. Sometimes bullets will leave a white streak so you can kind of identify where it's coming from. Doesn't always do it. So uh, there are times when I enter a town, I would just hear gunshot, they miss. I'm not even moving. Gunshot, miss, gunshot. And then I see the white streak. And I'm like, okay, there he is. Accuracy in this game really doesn't matter. Uh, at least from, from this time. I don't remember this in the old one. When I played it when I was younger, Robert, maybe you can confirm this, but it really doesn't feel like accuracy matters. If you're close, I don't remember that it hits. One way or the other. Really? I don't yeah, remember. It's, weird it's really weird I, I was shooting and i missed and i knew i missed and the guy dropped and i'm like oh because you have teammates so, uh, <laughs> you have ai teammates I'm like okay maybe one of them shot him so i'm moving again and then i just like fired around off testing it and no like i was i was a good chunk away from this guy's head and it just blew it blew, well, didn't blow his head off but it killed him and i'm like oh <laughs> that's interesting so your accuracy really doesn't matter and i was kind of wondering if multiplayer is the same way but okay maybe maybe you're not the person that's yeah, um it's pretty hard to die i did the first couple levels just kind of running in rambo style just like I would essentially run into an area, let them shoot at me so I could figure out where they are and just gun them down back and forth over and over. <laughs> um, the different guns are interesting. The main gun you use is like an automatic, it's like a, a three round burst um, with a grenade launcher. You can get a grenade launcher for it as well. The grenade launcher is probably my favorite part about it just because the visuals are actually pretty good. The explosion is kind of cool. And again, it does some destructible environment, uh, but it only has so much memory. So when you get to a certain point, you can't really destroy anything else. There's so much capacity with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no music, which is interesting. I, it kind of makes sense for the time against 1998, but there's no music, which I found kind of interesting. Huh. Sound effects are okay. They're typical FPS, but again, there's no directional sound, which I think is pretty damn important, especially for FPSs. And obviously this one's dated, but it was it made it kind of annoying at times. Again, I really struggled at times to find where the bad guys are coming from, especially when you're fighting multiple bad guys, because you're like, okay, I think it's coming from this direction. And then you start honing in on somebody, maybe. And then a white streak comes across and you're like, oh, he's over there. And then you just kind of go back and forth. Meanwhile, they don't hit you once. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I cruised through the the first like three or four levels very, very quickly. There's not really any complex objectives. It's pretty much what you imagine. Go into the area, kill people. Go into the area, collect items. Go into the area, kill people kind of the, the rinse and repeat and after like the third or fourth installment of it i was like eh, this is kind of kind of done um I, it was it was a little bit disappointing but i don't know really what i expected playing playing an fps that's 20 years old yeah um but i wish i could have done a multiplayer because multiplayer i played a ton of i mean we spent it was between that half-life and a couple of the games that we just rotate between and we, we got stuck on this game for hours at a time just do like 2v2s or 3v3s depending on how many people you have mm-hmm. oh, Super duper fun. Do you do you remember if you could you could add AIs to teams to help balance them? I don't think so. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I actually didn't play it that much. It was mostly my friends that played it a whole lot, so I don't really remember. Gotcha. I'm also reading. Uh, Land was up to 32 players. Wow. Uh, all missions from single player can be cooperatively done. That's kind of cool. Oh, you can actually. Oh, so you can use AI. Okay, you can you can add AI to teams either for the. Um, for the single player or for multiplayer. That's actually super cool. That's pretty advanced, I would think. 
So you didn't... I, I take it there's no online community for this game anymore that you're able to... I looked a little bit. People use, like, Game Ranger and a couple other online okay. applications, but I didn't really want to have to go through all those hoops just to potentially get into a game. Because you, you either have to host or join somebody else. And I imagine games like this are primarily played by people outside the United States. It's a lot of older games like that. I usually see are played by people in, like, Europe, Russia. So I just figured I'd have crappy latency and it would just be a bad experience. <laughs> I wonder gotcha. what you'd find if you had connected, like if you'd find people who've been playing this game for the past like 20 years and were like, really, really, really oh my God. <laughs> Life is DF, DF only DF. DF only. <laughs> Do you remember when DF Nothing came life. back out of retirement for Quake and we watched him play? Do you remember that, Robert? No. So this this guy, Nothing, he played for EG, was I, th- I think the best or one of the best Quake players of all time. And he he, entered, he came out of retirement and entered a tournament. It was like a celebration for like 15 years of Quake or something or 20 years. Okay. And he killed the guy and then proceeded to shoot him at every single spawn point. Like he, wherever he would spawn, he'd instantly kill him. Instantly kill him. Instantly, <laughs> he would like time rockets to where they would land wow. directly on top of him. It was crazy. Like the games were so fast. Damn. I love really seeing funny. people who are that good. Yeah. It's gonna be fun to come out of retirement, just like yeah, I'm just gonna smash some nerds for a day or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, do you think you would have had fun with uh, that game there if you had actually like had like one or two of your old buddies who played it, like rather than playing the single player, so. played multiplayer? Yeah, I think it's one of those games that, that really the, the the single player isn't what makes it a good game. I think the multiplayer does. I tried yeah. to pull a couple people in, but I couldn't get people to. Actually yeah. Well, oh, I don't remember you asking me. What? Wanted to surprise you in the podcast. I didn't think you. I had a few. I, I figured you had never heard of this game. Yeah, no, it is one of those. It's by no. It's. I don't think it was very well known. I think it's purely chance that we both uh, that I had heard of it because it's no. I, I don't remember there. I don't remember there being it being very popular even at the time, and I don't remember there being anything about it that makes it stand out as a first person shooter really in any way. It just kind of happened to be this game that one of my friends owned. And I don't think there's anything special about it, even at the time, really. I think it was the ease of the land. Because I remember a lot of games were kind of difficult to get land working, just because you know, computers were not that great, and there was a lot of setup you had to do. But I remember this game, it was like plug and play. We basically oh, really? threw it down. Yeah, we threw it down. We were able to open a match. There was like, like we tried to do land with like StarCraft and a couple other, a couple Bullfrog games. And we had a lot of trouble trying to get like ports open, hmm. trying to get our computers to actually connect with each other. It was so frustrating. But this game, I just remember being able to just jump into, join the lobby, just no problems. So, That's awesome. I think that might have been it, but. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Gaming Jay, why don't you go next? All right. Um, so this past week, um, I've actually been playing a couple things. Um, so actually on my channel, uh, a couple things. Oh, by, by the way, by the way, <laughs> congratulations on number 300. Yes, thank hey, you. Thank you. Uh, 300 Good. videos and 1,001 subs. So, Ooh-hoo. Oh, nice. Uh, breaking, uh, I don't know, um, goals all over the place. You're about to get 1,002 right now. Oh, oh yeah. shit! Oh, gosh, <laughs> happening right now. Actually, we're past a thousand one, so I think you're Aww. like a thousand and fifty or something at this point. Um, but yeah, so this uh, this past uh, week or so, um, I crossed over three hundred videos. Um, I celebrated that with a couple of games that I really enjoyed. That I'll just mention very briefly: SimCity two thousand, Duke three D, and Mario three, which are yeah. that's uh, a good lineup. Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought so. Um, but uh, then kind of unexpectedly, I mean, not totally unexpectedly, because I, I was uh, getting close to it, but I hit 1,001 subs shortly after that. 
and I decided to do a live stream where I played uh, the Great Gianna Sisters. Oh, right. Which, yeah, it's this old... So I'll talk about that one because I feel like SimCity 2000, Duke 3, you know, people know those games. Um, but the Great Gianna Sisters, this is an old game for like Commodore 64. I think there was an Amiga version as well. It is uh, it is a copy of Super Mario Brothers, essentially. It's like a really cheap, um, hacked together, cobbled together copy of Super Mario Brothers. Um, and there's all these... There's all these rumors about the game, how like Nintendo sued the company and the developers were like, you know, forced in court to like take the game out of stores and stuff. Uh, it turns out actually none of that's true. It's uh, Nintendo simply urged the company to stop producing the game and they agreed. But it was made by a German company. And uh, it yeah, it's a really cheap ripoff of Super Mario Brothers. Um, I sort of cockily thought that I would easily be able to blow through this game because ah, Mario Brothers, you know, how hard can it be? <laughs> but uh, this game is really hard um, and it's it's weird. So the first level starts off almost identically to the first level of Super Mario Brothers 1. There's like a Goomba, there's some bricks, there's a couple of uh, sort of question mark blocks to hit. Um, instead of a mushroom, you get a beach ball that electrocutes you and gives you a punk hairstyle. And... <laughs> um you you by the way play a girl named gianna um and she's a sister maria who according to the plot you're trying to save her and wake her up but if you play two players you get to play as her so i don't know what's <laughs> going on there all right um but yeah you get the beach ball and it doesn't give you any extra hits you still die in one hit so um and the, the enemies uh run the gamut from there's clones of goombas there's beetles there's scorpions there's blobs, there's slinkies, there's all these things. Most of the enemies you jump on, they die in one hit. Then there's no turtle shells, nothing like that. So it's it's kind of toned down uh, from Mario in that way. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is weird about it. Okay, you can get like a fireball thing, but you can also get upgrades to make it like a homing uh, missile, which Sick. makes the game super easy. Um, but then there's all these like cheap deaths where like there's these really difficult pits. And as soon as you try to jump, you like hit your head on like a block oh, and you yeah. fall in. Um, That's the worst. Yeah, there's there's weird warp zones in the game where like you'll accidentally hit an invisible block and then you'll just warp ahead five levels. Like it'll happen instantly. You will have very little time to realize what the heck just happened. <laughs> Everything just looks different all of a sudden. Yeah, you're just on another level. Um <laughs> There are bosses in the game, but they're giant ants um, and sure. a drunk-looking dragon. And yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a very weird game. I I like remembered it from when I was a kid. Um, my cousin had a Commodore sixty four, and I remember staying at their house a couple times. And I was like obsessed with Mario Brothers when I was a little kid. Like I think everyone was yeah. uh, who was my age. And they showed me that they had this game that looked like Mario on their computer. So, like, I, I kept wanting them to load it up and play, and I played a whole bunch of it. Um, and so, in my head, I, I kind of remembered it as, oh, yeah, like a decent clone of Mario for the Commodore. It's not decent. It's a terrible, terrible game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was it was kind of fun to play because it was so weird. Uh, but I think one of the people who was watching, who were watching my stream said, you know, if this game hadn't been a copy, a clone of Mario, I don't think people would be talking about it today. And I right. think that's probably true. It's kind of a forgettable platformer when all said and done. So nothing really special about it? No, it's, it's, it's special for like the weirdness of it all. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, and one other really weird thing about it is in order to play it, um, if you have a Commodore set up, or I did this on an emulator actually, but you have to set the joystick up in port two. So I don't know <laughs> why, but port one doesn't work. So okay, that's funny for both players. How'd weird. you figure that out? Um, I th- literally thought I was doing something wrong, and I went to uh, like a like a wiki to try to look it up, and it was it said in bold. Remember, you have to use the second port. <laughs> I was like, okay, I mean, I not going to ask questions at this point, but it's like they. Somebody made a mistake in the programming of it somewhere, so they just like, oh, we can just, for now, we can just play it with the controller in the second they port. That's cool. We'll fix it. it. And then they forgot to, so they just put it in the instruction book. Yeah. You know what? Actually, that's that's what probably was. 100% what's happened, because <laughs> there's actually a typo in the main title screen of the game. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So when <laughs> they titled it Gianna, it's G-I-A-N-N-A in the title screen for the game. But on all the packaging and the manuals, they only put one N. Holy and so shit. then they were like, oh, whatever, it's one N. And then they just said that there's a typo in the, the actual game itself. <laughs> so, Wow, that's yeah. pretty bad to have it, the title of your own game. Mistake. I know. Like, this game felt like it wasn't even an indie game. This felt like a fan game that had, like, problems, you know? Uh-huh. So. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, yeah. It was, it was a fun game to sort of play, though. I don't know, like, on... On my channel, like I like playing not just good old games, but also sort of like funky old games or weird old games. And this one was definitely right. sort of in the weird category. Sounds like it for sure. Yeah. Very interesting. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got two games. First one. You remember last time you were on Jay, I had played Super Metroid and you're like, oh, I just played Super Metroid. And yep, there, was, yep. there might have even been a second one at the same on the same episode. Well, I didn't play SimCity 2000, but I did play SimCity 3000. Oh, cool. By coincidence. And uh, SimCity 2000 is a fantastic game. Uh, one of my, pro- pro- possibly my favorite of the series. Um, but I had never played SimCity 3000. It's been in my GOG library for a while. And finally, I was kind of in the mood for a Sim game. And I was like, you know, this will be a good one to play for the podcast. So, and I've been interested to see for, for a while whether this one holds up. So I decided to go for it. So SimCity 3000 PC came out in 1999. And it was very good. It's, there is, it really plays, it. I mean... You would expect it, obviously, to be very similar to the rest of the SimCity games, SimCity 1 and particularly SimCity 2000. But there's almost n- there's almost no discernible difference between the two, aside from the graphics and some little details here and there. One of them being, this is one of the things that actually Jay and I talked about very briefly over Twitter, is which is, you don't have, in SimCity 2000, there is, you have, you're, well, you're supposed to connect water pipes to your town and right. all of your buildings which are, i didn't do which i you, didn't know about when i played <laughs> which you didn't do which which kind of proves the point that i'm about to say which is you don't have to have water in your town even though they put water in the game you can have a flourishing town with absolutely no water supply whatsoever uh, that's since that's sim city 2000 oh, sim okay. city 3000 as far as i can tell you do have to have water so you can't just kind of say, ah, screw it. We'll, we'll get by without like you can in SimCity 2000. You do, they do require you to have water. If you don't have water, it does seem like that actually affects the prosperity of your town this time around. Um, but, but really that and the graphics are the only things that I could tell 
that were very different from SimCity 2000. Granted, it's been a few years since I've played SimCity 2000. Um, so it's got all the good things about SimCity 2000. It's fun to build up your city. It's fun to kind of watch the buildings grow, see, you know, where you need to figure out where to place, you know, all the, figure out how to lay out your city in general, and then how to place specific buildings like, you know, fire stations and, uh, and schools and stuff like that. The graphics look, they're, they're a little bit more in SimCity 1 and SimCity 2000. The graphics are, I wouldn't say cartoony, but they kind of, they on a spectrum from cartoons to realism, they're a little bit, maybe they're, they're like right in the middle, maybe slightly closer to cartoons in SimCity 3000. It, they're, they lean much more toward a realistic look. Interesting. And mm. they look pretty good, but they are not half as vibrant. All of the colors are really washed out. And I found that the game visually is not as interesting. I, I much prefer the kind of more fun look of SimCity 2000 where everything's right. kind of bright and bold. Um, and this game is just not, it, it's, it's just very kind of dull. And that given that there are so few differences between the two games, I really would have to say that I prefer SimCity 2000 primarily because of that. There are some, there are some other cool things. Uh, you can choose the, the building styles, from your so you basically choose like almost kind of like a uh, tile set more or less for your city before you start. So you can say I I want my buildings to have this kind of style or this kind of style or this kind of style. There's three to pick from, which is kind of neat. Um, one th- uh, oh, you know another really cool another cool thing about this one is as opposed to the ant style cars that SimCity 2000 has, where when you see cars driving down the road, they're just little black dots. This one, they are fully rendered little cars that you can see. So that's kind of cool. You know, the fidelity-wise, the graphics are better. But as far as the art style in general, I don't like these graphics just because they're not as colorful. They don't look as... They're they're more detailed, but they're not as fun to look at to me. Right. One kind of annoying thing is, you know, in SimCity, sometimes, like, sometimes events will happen where you might have a riot or maybe a plane crashes somewhere in your city, or a building catches on fire, or whatever it may be. Or Godzilla. Uh, or Godzilla. It could be. <laughs> um, this one has those as well. But whenever it, whenever one of these things happen, happens, it pauses the game and, and jumps to wherever that event is happening, and it does not resume the game until whatever is happening is completely done. And Oh. Sometimes, and so you're just sitting there staring at the screen. Wait, you can move the camera around, but eventually it'll kind of pull itself back to where it was. You can't let time pass. You may be able to build. I don't remember. Um, But, you know, eventually you're going to run out of money and you need time to start passing so you can start earning more money again. So you're basically stuck staring at it because, especially because it keeps yanking you back over to it, you know, very frequently. So you, you can't really play while these things are happening. And one of the one of the things that can happen is they'll say, "Oh, hey, we're, we've had such an awesome year." Or I know it's th- I think it's Thanksgiving. They're saying they'll say every year around Thanksgiving they say, "Hey, one of your advisors pops up and says, hey, it's Thanksgiving. We should throw a Thanksgiving parade. This will boost everybody's morale and make us a really attractive city to everyone.' And you, you know, everybody will want to move here. So the first time, of course, I was like, "Yeah, let's watch a parade." The parade lasted like five minutes. 
and it just oh <laughs> makes you watch them walking down the street. I think it may have been extra long for me because this they choose the street, and the street they chose was particularly long on this one. So I'm just sitting there staring at this little <laughs> Sim City parade. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was cool for about the first 30 seconds, but then I just want to get on with playing the game. And right. I couldn't because you you can't speed it up or anything. You just have to wait until it plays out. And Is then, it maybe like a feature? Like you could have ch- checked something off in the menu to not do that stuff? You know, that, I, that's a good idea. That's a good thought. I didn't I didn't check to see if that was an option. Hmm. Uh, but I just kept from, from then on. I was like, no parade this year. <laughs> 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 and, and then one time. All holidays are canceled. <laughs> One time there was a fire, okay? But you know, when you play SimCity, you have a huge map to build on. Um, And especially when you start off, you're taking up only a very small portion of that map. Well, there was a fire in my city, but the fire was on basically the entire opposite side of the map where there was no civilization whatsoever. (laughs) Somehow, a a fire just started in a random tree. Well, it makes me Nature. sit there and watch the fire until the fire puts itself out, basically, because I can't That's get my funny. fire department over there because they have no way of getting there. It's nowhere near the city, so it's not doing anything, but it's a fire, so it pauses the game, jumps over to it, and then the fire goes for a while, and then the tree sort of, like, explodes, and then, like, a tree next to it catches on fire. So I have to sit there and watch that one burn down until <laughs> everything is finished, and it wasn't, you know, it doesn't cause, like, a forest fire or anything, but there were a few trees nearby, so the nearby ones caught fire, I have to wait for those to finish, and I couldn't play the game because a tree was on fire a hundred miles away from my city. So, I thought uh, you were going to say that the fire slowly spread to like half the map, <laughs> and it was like slowly creeping towards your city, and <laughs> there's nothing you could do. That would have been much more entertaining, actually. Yeah. But no, this wasn't nearly that exciting. It was it was a couple trees on fire that I had to just stare at until they until the fire went out on its own. So it was not a bad game, but it did have these few little pain points. And that, with the with the visuals not being as interesting to me, I, I give SimCity 2000 a solid lead over this one. So, again, not a bad game at all, but I much prefer SimCity 2000. This might be a, a silly question, but uh, SimCity 2000, was that supposed to be like the year 2000? Like, does the game take place I, in the oh, year 2000? That's kind of what so... I always assumed. Okay, so then what is SimCity 3000 supposed to be about? I think it's just supposed to be, oh, this like is it, the next they step. They were just like... Yeah, they were just like, ah, the thousands sound good. We'll yeah. just do a yeah. 3,000. I think you're right, because you can't say, two th- it would be dumb to say 2001. Right. Or like two- SimCity 2000 Part 2. two, two. Part, yeah. yeah, Part 2. So, I think they could have safely gone with SimCity 3, because that's what they did with SimCity right. 4. The, the fourth one is just SimCity 4, and I think that would have worked. Right. But, no, nah, they just went, I think it's just because two th- cause 3,000. Because three is the so next Sim number. SimCity three thousand doesn't take place in the future. Basically. No, it doesn't. It does okay. not seem like it at all. Right. Uh, so the other game I played, which is the one that I was uh, more, I was pretty excited to play SimCity three thousand. But this one I was extremely excited to play Street Fighter three Third Strike. Ooh. So as I discussed last time, I got the Street Fighter thirtieth anniversary arcade collection, whatever it's called, uh, for Switch. Uh, it's out on PC, Switch, and PS4, and it is every Street Fighter arcade game, not none of the console releases, but purely the, the arcade releases from Street Fighter 1 up through Street Fighter 3. So, I played Street Fighter 3 for the first time ever. I am a huge Street Fighter 2 fan, 
one of my favorite games ever. I never got a chance to play Street Fighter 3. So, uh, needless to say, I was very excited to play this. Well, I take it back. I, I say I never got the chance to. It, the Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, which is the final, which was the final version of Street Fighter 3, was eventually released on PS2 and some other console. I think Xbox even as well. But I, when those came out, I, it was at a time where I wasn't really interested in, in Street Fighter games. So, after Street Fighter 2, there wasn't really any Street Fighter game that I played until Street Fighter 4. And even that one I got into very late. So, but I, I after getting back into that one, after playing that one some, I really had been interested in a very long time in going back and playing Street Fighter 3 at some point. So, this was really the first chance that I had to play that since I've been interested in doing so, I guess would be the, the way of putting it. So, Street Fighter 3, there were three versions of it. At least as far as the arcade goes, there may have been a couple of variants on consoles, but I think for Street Fighter 3, the the console ver- versions all matched up to an arcade version. I could be wrong about that, but it wasn't like Street Fighter 2 where you have multiple arcade versions and then different versions for consoles that there wasn't an arcade version of. Right. I think for Street Fighter 3, there were three versions. Those were in the arcade and everything that came to console, I think, was basically an arcade port. The first version of Street Fighter 3 came out in 1997. It was Street Fighter 3 New Generation. And it had it had 10 base characters. It had 12 if you include the hidden characters. And the only characters that returned from from Street Fighter 2 from from a previous Street Fighter game were Ken and Ryu. It didn't have any of the real famous characters. Huh. It was just them plus all new characters. I mean, they're they're the big stars, right? They're, they're the, the A-listers. Yeah, they are. They are the A-listers. Uh, Street Fighter Three Second Impact came out. Uh, I want to say nineteen ninety eight. I didn't have the date for that one. Uh, the year for that one written down, but that one came out a little uh, ways afterward. This one had thirteen characters and fourteen, if you include uh, the unlockable character, which was Akuma. Then in nineteen ninety nine. Third, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike came out. This is the one that everybody really knows and loves. This is the one that's that's played. It, basically, if you're playing Street Fighter 3 today, you're playing Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. This one, this version has 19 characters, and they added one more character from Street Fighter 2 that is Chun-Li. So, it's kind of funny that they have 19 characters, but the only th- characters that they took from Street Fighter 2 which was so good were Ryu Ken and Chun Li, and then if you consider Akuma, then then him as well. Uh, yeah, that is weird because didn't a lot of the Street Fighter Two characters end up coming back in like Street Fighter Four? Yeah, stuff, like Street Fighter installments. Yeah, exactly. Street Fighter Four, I want to say, has every single Street Fighter Two character. Yeah, I think you're right. So yeah, I I I, I agree. Yeah, that was that was kind of surprising to me as well. Uh, Street Fighter Three, Third Strike is what I, play. I I played through through all of these. Uh, the only other thing that that really changes throughout each version is the uh, some of the characters' moves actually change a little bit. Some of their special moves are altered a little bit, and or or they get new special moves. And besides that, it's just that in the in the characters themselves. So primarily, what I played was Street Fighter Three, Third Strike, and this game is awesome. It is. Everything where if you were, it's everything you would expect them to do at the time. If they're saying it's 1997, we want to make a new Street Fighter game. 
let's make Street Fighter 3. Let's do everything that Street Fighter does and just make it a little bit better and change it up a little bit. And that's exactly what they did. And it worked out amazing. Uh, they didn't really the only, ch- there are a few changes they made. The biggest changes of course is the roster, which is really cool. Um, I, I do kind of wish they would have, would have had more of the street fighter two characters, but I don't really care that they, that they, that they don't too much because first of all, they have the characters that I care about. Second off, they have some really cool new characters. Um, they've got one, one of the things that they did really differently in street fighter three is they have a lot more weird and kind of like some of them are even science fiction characters. A lot more kind of really mysterious characters. Like you're like, what? what's this guy doing here? Type of stuff that they didn't have much of in Street... You know, in Street Fighter 2, they had Blanca, which, you know, maybe yeah. you could consider him sort of science fiction-y depending on your definition of it. But that was that was kind of it. You know, you could say uh, uh, M. Bison sort of was because his eyes glowed, you know? Um, right. <laughs> but in this one, they've got a shapeshifter guy who's basically this white kind of... He, he's not a blob. He's he's a humanoid for sure. But he can he's kind of like liquid metal in the sense that he can make his arms and or his whole body take any different sort of shape. So one of his strikes is his arms sort of like turn into blades. One of his attacks, he his whole body cur- kind of curls into a ball and he just has two legs and he kind of lunges himself at you. So he's he's they have really weird stuff like that. They've got one guy who has a uh, metal face and he wears a trench coat. They've got one guy who is a genetic experiment done by Russia or something like that. And he can stretch kind of like Dawson, but he can also harness electricity. There's one character who's this really old guy. He kind of walks in sort of a squatting position and he only has one arm. Uh, so this <laughs> that is just sounds like a disabled elderly fighter. <laughs> it's exactly, that's exactly what it looks like. It's hundred percent what he looks like. He looks like a disabled elder, elderly fighter. Um, so yeah, they, they do really weird stuff like that, which I think is really cool. Uh, the few other changes that they've made. Oh, and also the, the, the stages look really good. The stages are, they, so, you know, for the characters that are, you know, like the shapeshifter and stuff like that, they have weird kind of science fictiony backgrounds and stuff like that. So everything is kind of all sticks with the same thing of the same theme of street fighter, but a little bit weirder, but still really cool. A few right. of the other changes they made were uh, mechanic wise i guess the uh, there's really only two main ones you can block in the air and they have parries now which are so they still have blocking like usual but they also in street fighter in the street fighter series the way you block is you just hold back if you're holding back and somebody throws a punch then you block it if they throw if they hit you with a special move you can still block it but it takes chip damage which means it just takes a tiny little bit of damage off your health bar if it's a special move that you block. This one has all of that, but it also has parries, which is you press forward right at the instant that an attack hits you. And you have to have very, very good timing as you can probably imagine. But if you press forward towards the character, right as they are hitting you, then you can parry the attack, which uh, if they're doing a normal attack, if I'm not mistaken, it kind of sort of stuns them for a very, very, very short period. And if they're doing a special attack and you parry it, then it takes no damage at all. So instead of taking chip damage, if you parry it, then it takes no damage. So those are kind of the, the nothing, no, no huge, big changes to the mechanics, but they do have those. There's also the um, special meter or the super meter, I guess, 
which which was introduced in one of the very late versions of uh, of Street Fighter 2 and also I think that they had it in Street Fighter Alpha so that's not really anything new but they do have the super meter here where you build up your meter throughout the fight and then if you if you build up your meter then you could do a uh in this one in this game they call it a super art I believe and uh and it's basically a a very very strong special move um all of the everything that makes Street Fighter good is present in this game so the the primary things are the pacing the feel of the game the the controls and the special moves they are all 100 percent on point the game feels fantastic it's extremely responsive it still has combos and stuff that take extremely precise uh input um it's like to the pixel perfection on some of these moves and stuff that you have to do so Everything is really, really tight gameplay and control-wise. Also, the sprites look fantastic. The graphics look so good on this game. You can you can tell wow. that, that that they are so lovingly made. Um, this was the last Street Fighter game to to use two D you know pixel sprites. Starting with Street Fighter Four, it's everything's three D. You know, it doesn't take place in a three D landscape, but the characters themselves right. are three D yeah. rendered. Yeah. Um, this one, the, this was the last one to stick to the to to two D. And using pixel art, and it looks so so good. It's just you think of Street Fighter Two, and then imagine that just done better. <laughs> and that's even though Street Fighter Two looks really good, just think about that made to look even better. And that's exactly what Street Fighter Three looks like. Um, geez, I don't even know if there's anything. You, some of the some of the <laughs> some of the stages are like I said, the stages look really cool. One of them, there's like a wreck. With watermelons all over the place. It's just so random. There's a wreck in the middle of the street and there's watermelons all over the place. And there's a guy like laying on the ground crying about the watermelons being everywhere. <laughs> um, and there oh, and there are some stages where they're like multi-level. So you, you do the first round on one part and then for the second round, you every, like both characters jump down to a whole other section of the stage and it takes place there. So that's kind of cool. I don't believe that was done in Street Fighter Alpha. It definitely was not done in Street Fighter 2. So that was neat. Uh, I, I've been playing this a whole bunch. I've been playing online. I, I've come to agree with everyone else that the online uh, play for the 30th anniversary collection is not very good because it's pretty uh, laggy. In 90% of my matches are very laggy. Uh, Every once in a while, you find somebody that you're not lagging against and you play against them as much as you can, but it'll only let you play against the same person three times before it kicks you out and makes you find and makes you match make again. So that's kind of a bummer, but that's interesting. Yeah. But the game holds up so well. It's such a great game. I'm so glad that I finally got the chance to play it. Um, it's really everything you, you could want it to be. I can, I really can't speak highly enough about it fighting games it's really hard to uh deal with lag like it's one of the oh, yeah. kinds of genres oh, yeah. where you have to have like millisecond accuracy oh know, absolutely like. yeah yeah so i'm not surprised to hear that about the multiplayer yeah no you're 100 percent right I, I feel like even more than first person shooters really this yeah. is these are the yeah. games that rely most on not having lag <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. Yeah, that really does kind of screw it up. But still, it was it was good enough to where I p- kept playing online even with lag. So, for whatever that's worth. So, cool. as you can probably tell, I highly recommend Street Fighter 3. If you haven't had a chance to play it, you should give it a shot. Uh, if you like fighting games, it is so damn good. 
All right, time for top fives. Our top five list for this episode is games that we would like to attend an orchestral performance of. So, um, let me see. I'm going to roll some some old dice and see uh, who goes <laughs> How would first. It was just like a lineup. Like they're like, we're doing these five games tonight. You're like, oh, sweet. Here's my five. <laughs> what? I don't get what you're saying. Like, imagine if there was actual like performances like that where they're like the, they had like maybe they had like a pool of like 50 games that they did performances for and like every so often they would just be like here's the lineup for tonight here's the <laughs> okay five games. It'd be so cool you'd be like oh i want to listen to these three games with the rest of them ah oh, fuck that nice <laughs> one so actually have you guys heard of uh the show called video games live yes no, i have not it it is a live orchestral show where they play video game music really and it yeah, travels around the world this. I, uh, I think they were here recently in the states, were they not? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, they're uh, well. They they the guy who started. He's American, um, but yeah, they travel all around the states. They go to Canada, Europe. They were in Asia last year, the year wow. before, or something. Um, I actually went to a show several years back when it was in Waterloo, which is sort of a couple hours outside of Toronto, and it was it was neat. Uh, it was like a packed house. They set up like rock band tournaments in the like lobby of this like like it was an actual orchestral hall. So it's like typically people would show up in tuxedos and stuff, but instead there's all these people playing rock band tournaments. <laughs> and um, while the orchestra was playing, they had a big projector up, and they would be showing cutscenes from video games and stuff for the games they were actually like playing. Um, it was really neat. They even wow. had a, a woman come up on stage at one point. She was like a contest winner. Um, they drew her name randomly and they made her play space invaders like IRL on the big screen. So she was like the little thing moving at the bottom and they gave <laughs> her a button and wherever she was standing, it would shoot a thing up and that's she had to so try cool. and survive. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's cool. If you ever get a chance to go to the show, I definitely recommend it. And it's on topic for tonight too. Sweet. Yeah. All right. For our top five list, it looks like, I'm going to go first, so I'll, we'll do me, Gaming J, then OGJ. How's that sound? Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm going to go with number five, Monkey Island. I just love primarily the, um, I mean, the... The reason this isn't higher is because the only really recognizable song that Monkey Island has is the opening theme song. and But it is fantastic. They, it does have really, really very good music throughout. But nothing that stands up to a lot of other, when you think great video game music, most of it doesn't stand up. But its opening theme is fantastic. I really, really, really love it. So I, I would just love to listen to a live performance of that. All right. Gaming J. Your number five. Uh, yes. My number five. Um, I think this is like... Uh, pretty obvious pick but uh i was gonna go with one of the halo games Ew. i oh, that's good. Always, I like it i've always been a big fan of them um i think my personal pick might actually be halo reach but really any of the halo games i mean they already have kind of like an orchestral soundtrack yeah um but to actually go in person and see people yeah. perform that music i think it would just be awesome i mean it's so epic the music in that game so would you would you picture yeah i was gonna say would you picture monks on stage like in brown clothes hold, <laughs> like holding their hands together <laughs> well, i mean that's that that would be kind of weird i don't know if i would want to see that but... <laughs> so keep it behind maybe, closed doors 
Yeah, yeah, just sort of put a curtain up or something, you know, behind the monks. Uh, that could be kind of an interesting, if you were involved in making that happen, like, how do you recruit monks into, like, humming a Halo tune? Like, maybe they wouldn't be okay with it, so you kind of have to lie about what it's about, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right, OGJ. My number three, or my number three, my number five is Donkey Kong Country. I can't tell you how many times playing oh, that's this game good. I would huh. I would hum the yeah, hum the tracks to this game. I think it would just be super fun. Just, <laughs> like I feel like I feel like the entire time if you were sitting in an orchestra play of it, you would just be picturing each level or picturing the different, like, especially like the water levels. The water levels oh, I would yeah. think would be so cool to hear. The water levels are as as much as I really don't care for that game. You cannot argue it has great music, music and sound effects. I'll be honest with you. Like oh really? So, some of the I, I really enjoy like. The sounds of the monkey in the barrels, like when he's trying to break out, when you die in certain parts, it's kind of cool. Like the balloons popping. There's just a bunch of kind of cool sound effects. I don't know. Nice. I really like the sounds of the game. I think any game where you find yourself humming the music later on is like a really yeah. good candidate. It's exactly like, right. Oh, yeah. That was they my did thought. this right. Yeah. Um, uh, I should have mentioned uh, off the top that we excluded Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy. Was it six and ten? Jay? Yeah. Okay. I believe so. We should have just said we just should have said no Final Fantasy games, probably, to make it a little bit easier. I, I, I have one. Okay. I, I just All right. I didn't think it was necessary. Anyway, so those are the ones that we excluded from the list because we consider them pretty obvious. Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy Six, and Final Fantasy Ten. My number four is DuckTales, the video game. Ooh. It's uh <laughs> obviously it's got, you know, the classic song from the TV show. But really, the whole soundtrack for this game is good, especially, especially, probably know which one I'm going to say, the moon level. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. I will sometimes just pull that up on YouTube and just listen to it like 10 Isn't times Isn't it funny when you get that craving? <sighs> this is... Random stuff. Oh, man. One, that, sing, that song alone is one of the best video game songs ever made. Can, can I ask you real quick, how often do you guys actually listen to like just video game music just as music like you're a mentioning times a pulling month. pulling it up yeah i actually do very very frequently yeah. uh i have a lot and in old and new games alike um i have a mm -hmm. lot of like complete soundtracks for mostly newer games uh just in my lights uh itunes library and then sometimes i'll listen to you know uh particular games like i'll pull up the ducktales moon theme and stuff or one day recently i got on a uh what was it it was another game that i got a kick on and i was just listening to songs for it over and over um and then also extra lives they which which they do covers of uh video game music on youtube i uh subscribed to, I'm, a, I'm a member of their patreon I every every week they release a new uh, song and I have a playlist basically just on my YouTube account where that I have all of their songs to. And sometimes I just play through it and listen to listen to all of their stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you? Um. Oh, yeah. Like uh, back in the days when I used to burn CDs when I had oh. a CD player in my car, <laughs> I, I would always throw like the odd video game song onto CDs. I mean, from all kinds of games, too, as you say, like new and old. I don't know, just there, there's so much good music in video games. And also, I feel like gaming songs can be so nostalgic because they remind yeah. you of like, you know, the time you beat that boss or this awesome level and the fun experiences you had in it. So, yeah, um, yeah, I I have I've definitely been driving around listening to uh, 
like you know everything from like dos games to xbox games on my cds over the years <laughs> that's super cool yeah as nerdy as that makes me sound <laughs> <laughs> we're all in this together it's okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right my number okay yeah so my number four is ducktales jay what do you have for your number four uh my number four i went with metal gear solid oh nice yeah, that that actually speaking of songs on CDs, that was a that was a, a game where I had a number of the songs oh, really? uh, on CDs. Um, yeah, I especially liked uh, the the Psychomantis's hymn. Um, I think there was a track where you first find Metal Gear, um, and you're kind of like running around the base, sneaking around, and like Metal Gear is there, like kind of half covered in tarps and stuff. And there's a really cool soundtrack I remember from that level too. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, just. That's another one that would easily translate, I think, into orchestral music because already it's pretty orchestral. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think that would work really well. And for some reason, I didn't even really think of that one. Is there a particular installment that you think would, is better than the rest, or, or not really? Are they all oh, yeah. equal? Um, yeah, I, I'm the one I know the most is the one, the original one for PlayStation One. Um, oh, nice. That's one that like I I beat that game like three or four times uh like back when it was first new um i haven't played the sequels nearly as much and actually i haven't played the one where you are naked snake which is supposed to be like one of the really good newer ones um, uh, are you do you mean uh three or five uh i think it's the patriots one that takes place in the 60s okay that's three that's 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 yeah. three. Oh, that's that's arguably the best one yeah, and I actually have it on like a to playlist, and I'm you know looking forward to one day <laughs> sitting down and playing it. But uh, but yeah, so I would say number one, but I haven't fully sampled all the games, so maybe there's a better one. But gotcha, uh, yeah. All right, Jay. I'm at number four. I'm just gonna get this out of the way now. Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> we already know why. Because <laughs> amazing soundtrack. Music. This, when I was talking about a few times a month, I listen to video game music. This is definitely one of the number one soundtracks I listen to. I love this soundtrack. It is such an incredible soundtrack. I would kill to hear this in order. <laughs> <laughs> it would be my number one, but it's too easy. So I wanted to keep it more interesting. Gotcha. All right. Number three, I'm going to go with F-Zero. Uh, nice. Oh, yeah. Obviously, really good soundtrack. You know, it's more of a rock and roll soundtrack. But I still think it would be interesting to hear an orchestral rendition of the F Zero music. Oh, yeah, maybe it was like like big ch- or like a bunch of cellos or something. Oh my god, that'd be so cool. Yeah. However, they did it. I don't know how exactly it would work, but um, it would be really interesting to hear. I think it would be cool. Like every every F Zero song is recognizable, especially the main one. If you heard the main one, you'd just be going berserk. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Jay. Gaming chair. Yeah, yeah. Number three. Oh, sorry. You did your number three? Yeah, F zero. Oh, <laughs> that's right. You were just talking. <laughs> uh, sorry, that was an embarrassing brain fart right there. That's cool. Oh, no, yeah, it happens, happens to the best of us. <laughs> My number three. Uh, I will go with Dune Two. Old school. Oh wow. Real time strategy game. Um, I remember that game had uh, really atmospheric music. It sort of felt like kind of a bleak, dark, dystopian future. And the music in the game did a really cool thing where it would actually react to what was happening in the game. What? So when you weren't interacting oh, with enemies yeah. or whatever, it would be sort of this very sort of like calm, but slightly dystopian 
drifting music in the background and then when enemy wow. show, battle music would start so it would like set the mood and stuff you know what um the really cool the x-wing and tie fighter games do the same thing and it works so well yeah that's it, really cool that's very really different i'm yeah. glad you brought that up because i i always remember that and then i f- ever f- i always forget to mention it on the podcast and i particularly when i play those games for the podcast it's such a cool feature that some of those games have where and it doesn't just like switch. It like blends in, right? Yes. Yeah. It, it fades. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like the hard switch. Like it just like all of a sudden accelerates. It like leads into it well. Yeah. 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 That's it's, super cool, man. I think that was sort of an ahead of its time feature that sometimes seriously. it's overlooked. Yeah, it was. And uh, Monkey Island 2 does the same thing. Um, it uh, And it, its music is not nearly as... It will, aside from the opening theme, which I talked about, the, the in-game music isn't super recognizable, but it does the same thing where if you walk into a certain room or whatever, the music will change, but it does so gradually um, in a way that you don't even notice. And I was reading something that they, I was reading about this and particularly on Monkey Island 2 when they, when they like first kind of came up with this technology, they spent so much money like do like getting that right and being able to you know have the ability to do that and then it almost turned out to be a, a waste because it worked so well that nobody noticed it <laughs> so like but that's what you want right that's how you know it's working that's what yeah exactly well that's true that's what you want but you would also like people to be like oh that worked out really well but they yeah. did it so well that nobody really noticed it so it wasn't so nobody like ever talked about it or anything it's like if you're doing your job too well then people don't know you're doing your job yeah which is good and bad <laughs> yeah yeah same exact thing yeah all right jay totaro are we under you wow why did i give everyone my real last name now everybody's gonna stalk me thanks robert <laughs> yeah i swear it's the first uh, time we've ever said that number three super mario rpg for super nintendo this this is another one that i've listened to countless times like there's a couple tracks um particularly it's like the middle part of the game, I believe. I don't know the name off the top of my head, but there's a couple tracks that I've definitely put on repeat for at least 20 or 30 minutes at the time. Well, it's thank- a great soundtrack. Thankfully, the battle music put, puts itself on repeat for you every five seconds. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking about this when you guys were talking about the smooth transitions. One of the one of the things that always kind of annoyed me about RPGs is how abrupt the music changes. You know, like Final Fantasy VII, you're walking around, it's kind of peaceful, and then all of a sudden, you know, the screen shifts, and then music gets expedited or it goes really really fast for a second you're like oh it's interesting that they were able to to lead into it that well like obviously in final fantasies it'd be a little bit weird to hear them transition but it's kind of an interesting concept yeah yeah okay uh number two is that where we are Mm -hmm. uh yep yep number two uh i think this would be so fantastic to listen to earthbound Mm. oh my god number six oh was it really (laughs) <laughs> be too obvious for me. <laughs> oh man the music is just so peaceful and relaxing it's not in your face like f-zero it's not blow your mind like the DuckTales moon theme but yeah the battle music's good the like city music is just so it's it's not kind of so like in the background that it's it's not like some of that music that you just don't even almost notice because it's just so yeah. bland it's 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 the perfect blend of not taking over the scenery but also still sounding really good and not, you know, not so bland that it's in the background. It, I just, it's just perfect. I love it. I could just listen to this over and over. This, this is one of the ones that I kind of went on a, a, a binge on the other day and I was just listening to Earthbound theme music uh, online just because I love it so much. 
All right, Jay. Um, my my number two is uh, Mega Man X. Oh, that's a good oh. one. Oh, yeah, that's another one that I've burned to CDs. That one's more of like a kind of a rock soundtrack, but there's a lot of a lot of really good uh, music in that game. Like almost every level is just like a, a a song you could actually listen to. So it'd be cool to see that kind of done in person, especially because it has so much sort of electronic sound to it. Like it's not a traditional um, sort of orchestral sound, like something like Halo or Metal Gear is. Mm-hmm. So that'd be kind of cool to see them uh, do, like how yeah. creatively they could reproduce that. Yep. That's a good one. All right, Jay. My number two is I, I wanted to put a Zelda game on here, and I really love the soundtrack for Majora's Mask in particular. So obviously, I'm a big fan of Majora's Mask as well. But this is a great soundtrack. I this is one of those ones that gives me a lot of nostalgia. If I hear any of the tracks, um, obviously they use similar tracks in a lot of different titles. But this one in particular really sends me back to playing Majora's Mask, not only as a kid but as, as a young adult too. This is amazing soundtrack. Very nice. All yeah, right, I we- think Zelda is just totally iconic. I thought of putting one on to myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's super iconic for sure. I mean, there, you can't. <laughs> there's almost nothing. There's almost not a whole lot to say about it, just because it's so iconic. Yeah, I love the um, the the fairy uh well music. What do you call it? You know what I'm talking about where you're at the little yeah. wells where the fairies come out. There's that. Yeah, I, I know. And, I can hear it in my head right now. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And and that, not music per se, but just the sound when you get a good item and it goes doo doo doo. Oh yeah. <laughs> That'll never get old. <laughs> we I was I, I'm pretty sure I've told this story on the podcast before, so apologies, but um I was at a uh like a local sort of Comic Con like convention one year, and I was walking around and the uh there was this one booth and they were selling it was basically a retro game store and they had a little booth there and they were selling stuff and they had a tv set up so you could play some they had like a nintendo hooked up to it and so they had a tv there with the nes and you could play games on it whatever they they had lying around and one of the guys just went up and put in zelda for it to be playing the the original one on nes and when yeah. that first opening theme song came up everybody who was in the vicinity stopped and turned and just was like staring yeah of at course it. <laughs> of course <laughs> everybody knows that yeah it's so good it's it, what i love in that version to the regular nintendo i remember i i restarted on that game countless times due to you know the, the memory resetting or somebody bumping it while it's running so just the the opening when the screen opens the very beginning and that sound plays you're just like I'm on an adventure. Here I go. <laughs> yep. I'm so motivated. Here we go. Yep. I'm going to go with my number one street fighter. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, and I, I didn't really, I, I don't know if I would have necessarily thought of this if I hadn't been playing it recently, but and it's particularly street fighter two, but I'm sure there's songs from, from all of them that you, that you could take, but street fighter two has such, such good music. And I really think it would translate very well to orchestra. It's uh there 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 are so many characters themes that are so good that like, just about any of them would would work extremely well and this is another one that I listened to a lot of recently in Extra Lives which I keep talking about they've done four uh, covers of of Street Fighter two themes on their channel so far they've done Ryu Vega E Honda and Guile and oh, especially Ryu and Vega they are amazing. 
And so when I was playing Street Fighter 3 as well as some Street Fighter 2 this week, with, with also with thinking, you know, having this in my mind about uh, games that I'd like to do, listen to orchestral performances of, I, it just hit me. I was like, holy shit, I think this would be the one that I would want to see the most. Oh my gosh, so yeah, good. Solid pick. <laughs> All right, Jay, what do you have for your number one choice? My number one choice was Warcraft 2. Oh, wow. <laughs> Going back yeah. to uh, one of the DOS games I played a lot as a kid. And yeah, I mean, from the opening title screen to I think each race, there was like the orcs, the humans, and they each had like four or five soundtracks um, or like songs or whatever. But they were all uh, I, they were all awesome. I remember. Really? That's true. I've never oh, even yeah. played Warcraft 2, unfortunately. Oh, you haven't? No. I have no oh, one, I started on 3. Well, really, the only one I've played is 3. I love 3, but I never played anything before it. I, I don't know how the, the gameplay of Warcraft 2 would hold up, because there's certain things that like you get used to in modern real-time oh, strategy sure, games sure, aren't yeah. there in, the, in Warcraft 2. It's a little simpler. Uh, but the music, I think the music stand, stands up. The music and sound effects. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. The Warcraft series in general, two, three, Frozen Throne, even even into WoW, like the music that they created, a plus. Like some yeah. of those tracks are just key. Like it's just so crazy to me. Blizzard is is really good at sort of creating a music that really like jives with the feel of their yeah. games. It almost creates the atmosphere yeah. in certain yep. cases. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Jay, what's your number one? My Don't number leave one is. A little to the left. Uh, my number one is Chrono Cross for PlayStation 1. Oh, this that's game, supposed to be really good, isn't it? Oh, it's so good. The opening theme is incredible. I have, I'll be honest with you, that I'm not really proud of this, but I have listened to that intro song on repeat, I don't know, probably for like two or three hours at a time. Sometimes I'm mindless. <laughs> it is such a great song. Here, I, I'm going to pull, I'm gonna have to pull. I'm going to have to pull it up. It is, it is like Chrono so Cross good. intro? Yeah, opening. I think it's called like Something of Time. I don't think I've played this. Wait, what's it called? Chrono Cross? You've never played Chrono yeah. Cross. It is not I, a very good game. <laughs> I don't even think I've, I've Here, heard of it. Here's the song. I'm just going to stop talking. It's the sequel to Chrono Trigger. It is. Okay. It is sort of. Well, yeah. it's supposed to be. It's like the first 30 seconds, I think, of this. I think about one minute is where it starts getting good. Oh yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah, that's good. I give it the Rob stamp of approval. It's an interesting old world feel to it. Yeah, it gives me chills even to this day. It's such a good soundtrack. I just love the the the, after it picks after the first minute. It's just a plus. I love it. I cannot get enough of that song. Seriously. Like if I had a theme to my life, that might be it. And it, what, what's what I love about it too is like it starts out the first minute, it's kind of slow, builds into it, and it almost makes you feel like it's building into an adventure, and then it just kind of takes off. Unfortunately, the game's not that great, but still a great soundtrack. That's that's the exact same thing that I've heard. The soundtrack is amazing, yeah, this, and the game is not that good. This might be the most. That song may be the most um, the the song I've listened to the most from a video game. I think. Yeah, probably without question. Yeah. I don't know. So good. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> I knew that was coming. All right. Time for emails. 
We've got a shitload of them this time. Love it. I do Maybe too. More. This because we were complaining for so long. We're getting two and three. Uh, um, uh, who was it? Was it? Yeah, Sam sent us three emails <laughs> on, of his own, Sweet. and uh, we have many more aside from that. So let's get rolling. First one. Uh, I'll start us off. The first one comes from Andrew. Andrew says, "Hello, classic gamers. First, let me apologize for not writing an email over two years ago when I first heard one of your episodes." Tisk tisk. I know. Easy left it long enough, eh? Yeah. I I <laughs> intended to do so. Listened through the entire backlog of episodes. Continued to intend to write you about all the things I loved and hated about what you are doing while faithfully listening to every episode release. <laughs> and I'm now finally writing my first email to you. All right. Well, we, we're happy that you finally got it done, Andrew. My most recent favorite episode is number 102. I was hotly anticipating hearing your review of The Curse of Monkey Island, as it is my absolute favorite uh, point-and-click adventure game. Uh, hold on, what's so Okay, my, po- my absolute favorite point-and-click adventure game, and sits at the top of my favorite games of all time list as well. Needless to say, I was very pleased with your reaction. I have a long history with point-and-click games, inspired by none other than my maternal grandmother. She and Grandpa were ahead of the curve, always sporting the latest computer tech, and my grandma wow. was... Yeah, that's crazy. And my grandma was and is, question mark, a huge point and clicker. She introduced us kids to classics such as the King's Quest series, Quest for Glory, Maniac Mansion, The Dig, etc. Wow, that's really cool. It's a good grandmother. Yeah. On one fateful Christmas morning, I opened what remains to this day my favorite gift, The Curse of Monkey Island. My grandpa, who was more the X-Wing, POD, race... Oh, oh, Pod Racer? It's like a gaming grandparent family thing. Seriously. He says POD <laughs> Racer, but I don't think Pod Racer was this time that he's talking about. So I'm not sure what POD Racer is. Um, X-Wing, POD Racer, Scorcher, and Flight Simulator type helped me install it on their computer New Year's Eve and my life was forever changed. On to other business. The main thing I hold against you all, but mainly against you, Jay. Oh, no. Is your hatred of Final Fantasy VIII. Okay. Listen, that's I get it. That that game was my adolescence coming to full awareness of itself, and you decimated it. <laughs> you chewed All it right. up, made a disgusted face, spit it out, and then proceeded to take a shit on it while calling the game all sorts of vile names and cursing its very development. How dare you? At least that's I like how- the card game. The card game is good. Here, I think if it came out when I was kind of a Getting into video games, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Problem was, I played seven, so I went from seven to eight, and it was like, oh, whoa, whoa, this is not not the same thing. And then nine was really great again. So it was, I don't know. I mean, based on every, I have never played it at all. Based on what I've heard you and, and Blake say about it, um, I it doesn't sound good to me. So I I I'll, I will side with you on this one, Jay. Okay, you got me on your team. Um, Thanks, Robert. He says, "How dare you?" I haven't tried it. So. <laughs> You're staying out of this. I, I'm sweet, uh, Switzerland on this one, or Sweden. <laughs> the, well, the one that's neutral, that's me. Yeah, well, yeah, it's they're they're basically the same country, I think. 
in all seriousness, in all seriousness, though, I get it. It is definitely the most angst-ridden middle school level plot logic that can be found in yep. the game. But you know what? That's what I wanted when I was thirteen. Fair enough. I was. It makes, it makes perfect sense. I was floating in that pristine bubble, even up through my twenties, until the day I listened to that episode, hoping to hear some nice words about a game of which I had very fond memories. Crushed. That's I, I just imagine him being like, "Oh, now they talked about my favorite game. I can't wait to listen to this." And he's like, he saw his phone downloading it while he was at work, and he like couldn't wait till he got home to listen to us talk about how great it was. And then we just destroyed his life. Or you did, I, I, me. I will say the love story was one of the the real like disappointing parts of it. But I mean, Final Fantasy aren't really known for having amazing love stories and real life conversations. Even as late as like Final Fantasy X, that love story oh, was geez. so confusing. If I watch it now, it's like what? The, like who talks like that? Like they just <laughs> they, they and eight was really bad. There was a lot of angst. There was a lot of lot of unnecessary drama. And, yeah. So I don't know. I'm sorry. Sorry, but not sorry. This brings an interesting point to mind, though. Nostalgia. What a powerful force it is. I loved the game so dearly, only to learn years later that most others felt very differently about it. It was the first PlayStation RPG I had played and became set in my mind as a masterpiece. A classic. I still look at the junction system and think it was brilliant. The single weapon that you had to find parts for and upgrade throughout the game was like being in shop class while battling an evil force with your project. There are many other points I remember loving about the game, though looking back, I wonder if I'd have the same experience at all now. With games like TCOMI? What's this? Oh, oh, the curse, I'm sorry, the Curse of Monkey Island. I am certain I would enjoy it nearly as thoroughly. uh, A lot of the jokes have broadened as I replay it every couple of years, and the soundtrack continues to enthrall and captivate me. Final Fantasy VIII was probably just a placeholder for my fragile emotional state in that uncertain time of transition. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I suppose that brings me to my to, to my final section of the email. Thank God. Stop boring us with your trip down Nostalgia Lane. My top five... My, yeah, me too. My top five game soundtracks I would like to hear played live. Number five, Golden Sun for the Game Boy Advance. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, how did I think of that? Is that pretty good? Oh, yeah, that that's a great game, first of all, great series. The music is really good. This was definitely one of the most advanced, advanced games as far as graphics are concerned, and the music was True. no exception. I remember being really entranced by it and getting stuck on some puzzles, but not really minding as long as the Temple soundtrack was good, and it usually was. Number four, Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. Mm. I couldn't decide... Ooh, that intro. I couldn't decide whether this was second or fourth place, the order doesn't necessarily matter on most of these. They're just all equally great pieces from equally different games, from equally different genres of games that have moved me with their tunage. Speaking of such, wow. Morrowind was the first and only game I ripped music from to burn to a CD. <laughs> That's cool. The scores set such an adventurous tone Excuse me, to the simple act of crossing the open world countryside. This game was revolutionary at its time and the music was legendary. I would definitely pay to hear this over both of its follow-ups, Oblivion and Skyrim. I love the music in those as well, but there was something more majestic, earthy, and organic about Morrowind. Number three, Halo Combat Evolved. Yeah. There you go. This game just can't express how much the music in this game destroyed me. The thematic elements in the story combined with the heart rate escalating themes in this game are nearly incomparable to any other FPS I've played. 
which are few, I admit. You just, you, you just, you just feel so goddamn awesome being Master Chief. The sound made it feel like these military rock themes were really playing for the current set of alien obstacles you were overcoming. I can't think of a score that made me feel more like the hero than the uh, than the soundtrack of this landmark of a game. Number I completely two. agree, man. <laughs> Number two, Mist. Okay, this would be really trippy, played by an orchestra, but I would go. I love the Mist soundtrack. It'd probably result in some deep crowd-wide meditation thing happening. I don't know. I can't even think of what the Mist soundtrack sounds like. Yeah, can I? I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I just remember puzzles. I don't yeah. remember music. Yeah, I don't remember any music. Number one, you guessed it, The Curse of Monkey Island. Okay, this really is my number one. This game was everything. The opening cutscene with its energetic opening piece transported me to that island. A bumper car floating in the middle of the ocean quickly set the stage for an epic journey into fourth wall breaking humor and island superstition satire galore. All wrapped up in a perfectly satisfying adventure where you're the somewhat conniving, sometimes bumbling, somehow successful adventure guy who could. The locations all had very, very well done dramatic musical scores. Puerto Pollo, set to a very 17th century light-sounding rendition of the main theme, was just such a nominal and fitting experience while walking around town. And I loved how the theme kept playing with exclusive sections of instruments as you entered different buildings. This was done in previous Monkey Island games and carried on here. They knew what they were doing, those wizards of composition. The voodoo <laughs> lady's spooky-turned-reggae-jam-session theme inside the tipped ship let set the mood for some weird stuff to happen. It was just, it was just weird feeling for me, and the, it was just a weird feeling for me, and that set the mood for other parts of the game. A lot of the themes on Blood Island are my favorite favorites throughout. Many are extra spooky, and some are just depressingly sad. For example, the Good Soup Hotel theme. You walk in, and it sounds like something that was once lively, spirited, and influential to island joviality has died and left a stagnant testament to the good times that will never be again. I remember almost crying when walking around the hotel the first time and I had to leave. What an angsty, emotional kid I was. Also, the fireflies. Just listen to it. I would walk Guybrush there and leave the computer just to have that music playing in the background. Also, the windmill. So many great little tunes. And let's not forget that musical number by the Barber Pirate Quartet. Definitely laughed out loud to that little ditty. Wow, that was a really good write-up, uh, <laughs> Andrew. Um, anyway, this has carried on quite long enough. I'm sure my email will be shorter next time. I just had a lot of pent up rage and exuberance to unpack on y'all this time around. Keep being classic. Sincerely, Andrew. P.S. Currently playing Unforeseen Incidents. It is amazing. And Robert would love it greatly, I believe. Okay, bye. Cool. I have to look this up. Wonderful email. Thank you. That was really good. Uh, I really like your, um breakdown of the of the monkey island music not just because i love monkey island but uh i love the, the the way you described it it made me want to go back and listen to it seriously i like the idea of loading up a game and just leaving it on for the music i know right that was that's good. awesome <laughs> all right Definitely uh, done that before gaming jay i'll let you take this second one sure this is from amir and i will post it in our chat all right Alrighty, um, Amir writes, hi guys, hope you're doing well. Um, some thoughts from the last episode. You were discussing might and magic. This is interesting because I didn't actually hear the last episode, so now I'm sort of talking <laughs> as I did. So. You got um, this. Yeah, but uh, you were discussing might and magic, the classic FPS RPGs. 
and was wondering if you've ever played Lands of Lore by Westwood. This came relatively... No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, this actually brings up an, uh, something else. So there's a GOG sale going on right now. And I have gone back into, like, stupid mode and just just gone insane, basically. Not too crazy, but I've bought, like, 13 games <laughs> during the sale. That you're never going to play. <laughs> that I'm probably never going to play. And one of them, I did buy Lands of Lore 1 and 2. That was part of what I bought. I'll, I'll go. Th- this is what I bought on the GOG sale this time around. Um, Dark Dreams Don't Die. SimCity 4. Uh, then I got Sunless Sea for free because if you buy a certain amount, you get that one. Um, Then I got Distant Worlds Universe. Uh, another one that I'll save for the end because it's kind of funny. Pizza Connection. Eye of the Beholder 1, 2, and 3. Bad Mojo. The Legend of Kirandia, Lands of Lore 1 and 2, Ziggurat. And, oh, that's it, and Ziggurat. Oh, no, Ziggurat was a free one that they were just giving away, so technically I didn't buy that one. But yeah, I... I it's been a while no since... It's been, I, I do. It's been a while since I've really gotten sucked in by a sale, but this time, I don't know what it was. I was like, I need it, I need it. And some of, the, some of these were like 89 cents. So that was... Yeah. You know... That's how they get you. I know. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> that's how they got me. Yeah, it's hard not to go crazy with these GOG or these <laughs> sometimes. It really is. You know that. Yeah. I've never heard somebody say G- GOG. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's tech- Yeah, I think that's <laughs> technically how how Gog pronounce it. How how those? Oh, really? How, how they pronounce it? Yeah, but everybody, most people just say Gog. But when whenever I hear them say it in any promotional stuff, I always hear them pronounce it GOG. Oh. Well, I am Canadian, so we say things differently. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. Uh, okay, back to the email. Uh, this came, so I uh, was wondering if you've ever played Lands of Lore by Westwood. This came relatively late in the life cycle of this genre, i.e. FPS, tile-based movement RPGs, hmm. but was really refined and was kind of the last hurrah before FPS RPGs went full 3D with free movement, oh, cool. as Lands of Lore itself did in its sequels. Uh, then there's a link for Lands of Lore. Um, and then he says, uh, probably the last real hurrah for this genre was Stonekeep. It was a really high budget game with full motion videos and rendered graphics, but still tile based movement. As hmm. I recall, it was a passion project uh, for the founder of Interplay, but it cost so much, it probably contributed a lot to the downfall of that company as a development studio rip interplay they were a good <laughs> studio <laughs> rip westwood too oh uh, yeah well did westwood fold or did they just get bought out by ea sure they got bought out yeah it yeah, interplay so straight up got shut it down, was really right? like it's gone i'm not I think sure about the westwood one was really bad too if i'm not mistaken yeah um the email continues uh lands of lore is the better game in my opinion um, for classic Sierra point and clicks, what is your opinion of the Gabriel Knight series? Uh, I have I have it in my GOG library. Of course, I have not played it yet. Um, he says the first one, especially, I feel is the pinnacle of such games with serious subject matter and the voice acting. Will Cheesy had Tim Curry and Mark Hamill. Whoa. Ooh, I didn't know he was in that one. Yeah, me neither, actually. I knew he was in, he's in uh, the X-Wing games, right? Mark Hamill is? No, uh, Wing Commander. Wing Commander, oh yeah, Wing Commander. Or Wing Commander 3 specifically. Or maybe, maybe, 
maybe four, maybe something after three as well. But I know three was the first one that he was in. Yeah, he was in one that I played, and it it had him and Biff from Back to the Future. Which <laughs> and we, and <laughs> Wing Commander? Funny. That's hilarious. Yeah, I think it was four. I think he had been in three, and four was like, you know, the follow-up, and I think Biff is in that. Anyway, <laughs> um, continuing the email, finally another obscure game recommendation. Uh, Omicron, the Nomad Soul, one of the David Cage's earlier experimental titles. Oh, wow. He went on to do stuff like the Indigo Prophecy slash Fahrenheit. Ooh, that's a good game. Um, Heavy Rain, which another good game. And most recently, Detroit, Becoming Human. Um, Omicron has David Bowie in it. He even <laughs> did the soundtrack with original songs. Holy shit, are you kidding me? Huh. I mean, that sounds intriguing to me. Uh, I mean, just, just for so. that part of it, too. That's the funny yeah. part. Just to see Bowie in uh, some kind of experimental. Did he do the? So he did the soundtrack for this game. Yeah, that's what he says. He did the soundtrack, and I guess he's in it too, like uh, as a character. So, well, I guess I'm adding it to my card. It's on sale right now. So, oh, there you go. (laughs) You you just helped make a sale. (laughs) Yep, there we go. Uh, I just ordered it. (laughs) The. the... Wow, it's that easy with you. <laughs> it's that easy. When you shop that often, it's when you said David Bowie wrote the soundtrack, I was like, well, okay, fine. Um, Amir wraps it up by saying, stay classy, and signs it off, Amir. So thanks, thanks Amir. Thank you, Amir. All right, OGJ, I'm going to let you take the next. Oh, no, I just read that one. Oh, did you? Oh, did you? Yeah, did you not hear me? I'm sorry. What? I almost <laughs> get your voice is confused. Who is this from, Robert? Uh, this is from Samuel. This is this is the first of th- this part one of three from Samuel. This oh. is his subject line is by the time I'm done, you'll wish you hadn't asked for more emails. I don't think that's possible, but let's give it a shot. Samuel says, "Good morning, guys. Yeah, it's about nine p.m. here, so it's perfect timing. Uh, I would say good evening, since that's when you normally record, but for me, it's seven thirty in the morning. Why am I awake so early? I fell asleep at five p.m. yesterday." A long week at work. Jeez, I know that feeling. Uh, apologies for the lack of emails over the last few episodes. I've been wanting to write in. I've had little energy to do much other than listen to the podcast or watch random videos when outside of work. So since you guys bitched about the lack of emails last time, I thought it'd help the Slack. You may or may not get more emails from me before too long. Spoiler alert, you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also going to catch up on top fives since I missed the last two. So here are my top five RPG classes. Note some of this will probably be more generic and may include some tabletop RPG classes since I'm a huge tabletop fan slash nerd. I'm as well, Samuel, so I'm a little okay with this. Uh, he says, number five, bar- Barbarian slash Berserker. Barbarian was my first class ever in D&D, and it stuck with me over the years. Something just about putting down the controller and letting your character wreak havoc uh, brings a smile to my face. Number four, the Bard. I like the jack-of-all-trades concept, and I used to and still occasionally do, write music. So it connects with me on multiple levels. That's super cool. Uh, number three, he says, healer. White mage, priest, cleric, call it what you will. For some reason, I always enjoyed playing this class in MMORPGs. This is actually my go-to as well now, Samuel. Honestly. Well, I'm sorry, uh, even though I have last, what was the last one? Healing class. White mage, priest, cleric, okay, whatever okay. you want to call it. Um, he said, even though I haven't played one of those in years. Number two, rogue slash assassin. Something about sneaking around undetected and going, going for the quick kill appeals to me. A large, hairy man with bad vision and poor coordination. Oh, appears to, appeals to me. A large, hairy man with bad vision. Oh. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Okay. I was like, wait, I had to read it. I'm like, wait, like, where's the emphasis? Assassin? 
Yeah. <laughs> you would be terrified, though. I don't think you'd probably just get stuck yeah. in fear. It sounds more like a barbarian, though. Than yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> uh, number one, summoner. When all is said oh, and nice. done, I'd much rather let others do the dirty work for me. And if they die, I'll just summon a new I one. I love summon. I, th- I don't remember if that was my first one. That might have been my number one. Too. I think that I, was my number one. I love summoners also. I love the same exact thing. Br- bringing something else, like bringing in something else that's big and awesome looking to uh, to just wreak havoc for you. I've always enjoyed pet classes. And I think I talked about this before, but just the, the ability and the skill level to micro a pet or micro uh, multiple creatures, I think is super cool. You know what? Real quick. You know, another really good one I thought of, obviously oh, Final no. Fantasy Tactics has so many good classes, but um, another one that I thought of afterward, after our discussion last time. Orator. How awesome oh, of a yeah. class is that? They were they basically give speeches to the bad guys to do stuff. Well, they can convert them. You what? Can convert oh, that's monsters right. Monsters to join. Yeah, oh, Final yeah, Fantasy, Fantasy Tactics. One of the classes is Orator Jay, and they and Jay. I'm sure Jay. Other Jay. I'm sure you can. Yeah, explain yeah, yeah, it. yeah. I'm sure you can explain it better than I can, Jay Totoro. But they 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 their skills are based on giving speeches to the enemy. And, they, yeah. and their different speeches have different effects. And yeah, one of them... That I, one is of them, awesome. One I've of never can, heard of that can, in RPG, but how cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they can buff or debuff. Um, they were called something else in one of the versions. I'm trying to think of what it was called. It was like a speaker or something. It was something different. I, I believe there was a multiple name for it. Wow. Anyways, uh, fun face tactics. So, so much depth to it. Uh, wasn't one of them... Sorry, like, sorry, real quick. Wasn't one of them literally based it was like you give a really boring speech and it causes them to go to sleep i wouldn't be surprised i don't remember specifically i remember there's a lot of buffs and debuffs and then there was the conversion one where you can convert can convince yeah that to was a good you, one which is fun i used to just get a bunch of malborals which were super fun <laughs> uh-huh that's awesome uh samuel goes on to say final uh, finally a question uh this one is more directed towards jay i know you've been enjoying pokemon nuzlocke playthrough and i've mentioned randomizer randomizer playthroughs one of my favorite additions to the Pokemon games. Have you tried the key item randomizer for Pokemon Red? It takes the key items, bicycle, self scope, HMs, etc., and shuffles them around. Um, actually, my close friend that's been playing them with me, he's playing, I believe, yellow with item randomizer. He's been telling me about how enjoyable it is, especially the HMs, because you get some really interesting HMs early on um, that can kind of change the pacing of the game. I may try this in the future. Um, he goes on to say, it's surprisingly fun and forces you to think outside the box as to where you can go in the game at any given time. Uh, since Red is a bit less linear than later games in the series, you could potentially visit most of the world before getting your third badge. It's designed to not have impossible states, so you can't, can't say, find the, the Surf HM on an island that requires Surf to get to. It's pretty fun, and I'd recommend giving it a try. It sounds interesting to you. I actually have been thinking about this more and more. I'm going to take a little bit of a break since I, I definitely went all in on my last playthrough um but i've actually i will more than likely try one of these uh, itemizers and i'll talk to you about it or talk about it rather uh samuel closes up by saying that's all for me for this email at least thanks as always for the continual continually great content samuel thank you as always samuel round one at least all right round two from from sam hey guys as promised uh as promised here's another email to fill up your every orifice with delightful words from yours truly oh by the way speaking (laughs) of which you remember Jonathan, I think it was, wrote in last week and he said such and such one of yours truly did a podcast or something like that. We couldn't remember who, we couldn't figure out who he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, we should, it should have been obvious. The only listener of ours that we know of that has a podcast, Chase. Chase and Night Oh. He wrote, <laughs> he, he told me that on Twitter. That's funny. Anyway, Sam says, hey guys, as promised, here's another email to fill up your every orifice with the delightful words. That may be the strangest sentence I've ever written. Catching Thank up. Thank you. Okay. 
Yeah, I hope so. One of the stranger ones I've heard. Yeah. Catching up on top fives. Here are my top five games I want to give a second chance. Number five. Star. Oh, you know what? We forgot to mention our next top five, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, number five. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2. I loved the first KOTOR game and tried to get into the second one, but never got very far. It didn't help that I apparently picked a very bad order of planets to visit my first time through. I love the battle system and the storytelling, so I definitely want to return to this one. Number four, The Lord of the Rings, The Third Age. Another game I like a lot, but never got very far in. It's a turn-based RPG where you play a party of adventurers just behind the Fellowship. I enjoyed it, but never got more than a few hours in. That's an interesting premise. It's like the B team. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I feel about that premise, honestly. It's like, oh yeah, but did you know there was another group of guys following like a couple Saw. miles behind like them? Like Saw. Saw? Each movie, there's somebody else. Yeah, each each Saw movie is like, oh, by the way, there was this person there, and this person. Like, it just, there's only, they always add one more character that happened to be there and knows everything about everything. Dude. Oh, psh, yeah. Yeah. Fun movies, but. Uh, I watched a really good scary movie the other night, by the way. What? What'd you watch? It's called Don't Breathe, and it is. Crazy. Oh yeah! Is it new? Have you seen I it? I haven't heard of that. Yeah, yeah, it's the one okay. about the blind guy, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that movie is crazy. Yeah, I enjoyed that movie a lot. I thought it was a nice change of pace from a lot of scary movies today. I'm gonna have to check it. It's, it's new. You said kind of. Yeah, it's called Don't Breathe. All right. I'm I think it came this. out like a year ago, possibly. You definitely don't watch it with your daughter, though. It's uh, very <laughs> inappropriate. No, it's it's not not appropriate. Not, not even the scary part of it. It's just there's some really weird shit that happens, and yeah. Cool yeah, yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, I watched a scary movie called The Room. <laughs> that, is, that is the scariest movie of all time. If you make me watch that again, I'll just die. <laughs> number number three, Panzer Dragoon Orta. An on-rails shooter that I played for a couple hours, was enjoying, then put down and never went back to it. Wow. It doesn't it doesn't help that I don't trust my Xbox to not catch fire, to not catch on fire whenever <laughs> I plug it in. I guess I need a new one of those eventually. <clears throat> Number two, Killer7, a semi-on-rails shooter with a cast of weird characters. I tried it for a couple levels, liked it, then put it down and never went back to it. I mostly want to see how weird it gets. Number one, Shadow of the Colossus. I beat the first three bosses, put it down, and never went back to it. Noticing a trend? This is one of those games <laughs> I think is pretty special, but I don't, but I don't know since I never finished it. One of these days. And now a question for you. With the SNES Classic seeing a re-release, I managed to pre-order one and got it five days earlier than expected. Ooh. I'm curious if you guys have ever felt the need to go in on a game or piece of technology that you think will become part of the gaming zeitgeist. For me, the NES and SNES Classic didn't seem all too important initially, but seeing the fervor surrounding them and actually understanding said fervor once I received mine, I think that they are pretty important parts of video game history. Maybe it's just me. Uh, that's it. I have a good one. Go ahead. Uh, most recently, Destiny 2 was was that for me. I thought Destiny 2 was mm. going to be the jam for everybody. And all my friends pre-ordered it. and we, Or not pre-ordered it, but they, or they were going to play it day one. Thought I had to get it in order to keep up with everybody. Because, you know, when, when games come out and they're really popular and all your friends are playing it, that's the best time to play it. There's not going to be a better time to yeah, play it. Yeah, yeah. People eventually fall off, responsibilities yeah. come in, whatever. Maybe, yeah. Man, did I miss on that one. That game was dog do. I spent I got I got <laughs> next level in like four hours and haven't touched it again. Did you play the first Destiny though? Like did you know no. what you were getting into? Okay. Well, I so I, I watched my roommates play Destiny One. I was like, okay, this is kind of my you know, I, I really like MMOs. I like doing things group oriented. It's very PvE focused. 
Yeah. That game was just not even close. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I played Destiny one back in the day, so I need to stay away from number two. <laughs> Um, it's, it's substantially worse than the first one. It's they they simplified it. They they took the the formula of, of an already simple MMO and watered it down further, which uh, is just insane. And they uh, just yeah. a lot of stuff about it was really good. Um, do you guys remember the Ouya? Oh yeah. No. Yeah, I bought one of those. You don't remember that, Jay? <laughs> you bought <laughs> one of those? Oh. Oh yeah. I still oh. have it. Four <laughs> controllers and a launch edition Ouya. I still got it. Oh man. I remember that. It was basically like a, a an Android micro console, and the idea was every game on it was uh, had a free demo at least, and you could pay for an uh, upgraded version. Uh, it was supposed to be big for like emulators and all sorts of stuff. It, it was like oh, cool. a big gaming. part of it was that it was like open source hardware, basically, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So actually, you know what I did do with it? I tinkered around with it. I used to years ago do some like uh, programming stuff for fun. So I did do some programming. You can make like your own little games on it, which is kind of cool. But um, yeah, it was not the revolution that it was supposed to be. That one crashed and burned super hard. I also remember (laughs) hearing that the controllers were apparently absolutely Oh, the controllers. The controllers are terrible, actually. Um, I have a bunch of PS3 controllers because I have a PS3, and it's so it's night and day. If you you can connect a PS3 controller to Ouya, and oh, it's really? like there's there's no reason to use Ouya's controllers. Like yeah. they're actually pretty bad. They yeah, look I've, okay. I've heard they're terrible. Not good. It's you know what they they have connectivity problems. It's like half. The oh, time I didn't you go even know about buttons that. And stuff, it doesn't work. Oh. I've, I heard mostly about the buttons sticking really bad. Buttons, yeah they they stick under the face plates. It's just a mess <laughs> that's that's my story of trying to get on the zeitgeist my <laughs> betting wrong <laughs> the only time uh that i really think that i've done that was i was with the switch which really turned out to be a pretty good bet yeah. that was one where it, it had been when when the switch came out last year it had been so long since i had bought a console day one i was just kind of like you know the switch it looks like it is pretty neat and it, I think it has pretty good potential to be pretty cool. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go for it this time. It's gonna be fun. It, you know, it seems like it. I don't know. The Wii U wasn't that great, but this seems like a lot better. It could be the next big thing. Maybe who knows? But I'm just gonna go for it and see. So I would right. say that I did do that. Yeah, on the Switch. Um, that's really the only time that I've thought about that 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 I can think of where it was in that situation where I guess the what he's asking is you know trying to buy in to make sure you're in on day one on something that you think is gonna be mm-hmm. big. Oh, well, you bet right. Yeah, I think I did this time. Good one. Yeah. Samuel says, that's all for this email. Don't be surprised if you get another one of these from me later with another top five and another question. And the next email is from Samuel with another top five <laughs> and probably another question. I haven't read it yet. But, uh, Jay, we're going to throw this one back to you. All righty. Um, so Samuel says, hello once again, dear fellows. I hope this string of emails has satisfied your desire for more emails from your loving audience. <laughs> now, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping I'm not the only one writing this week because uh, this will be super awkward if <laughs> I get three emails total and they were all from Samuel. <laughs> yeah, you have one super fan and that's it. <laughs> Anyway, on to the top five games, which I would like to attend uh, an orchestral performance. I don't know if you guys have heard or seen uh, Video Games Live. Hey! Uh, But it's basically this idea in real life. Um, Yes. Well, I've heard of it. Jay has. Um, Yep. 
Uh, well, I haven't seen in person. I watched a live stream of one of their concerts several years ago. It was pretty amazing to watch an orchestra play some classics uh, and some modern video game music. Um, all right, so the list is uh, number five, Halo. Really? I just want to hear the intro <laughs> oh, nice. music performed. Amongst. It's one of the most iconic tracks in modern gaming, to me at least, and would be pretty kick-ass to hear live. Um, completely agree with you there, Samuel. Absolutely. Real, real quick, I got to mention something on Halo. Um, oh, sure. Whenever I heard on the original, on Halo 1, <laughs> when it came out, whenever I would hear that opening, oh, <laughs> all I could think of was on Ace Ventura, where he goes, oh, yeah. Alrighty <laughs> then. <laughs> think of that, or the, have you heard the Cody and Cambria song, where like the last minute and a half is just, it sounds like a bunch of monks in chorus? No. Uh, it's like one of the, it's probably the most famous song. Most uh, famous song ever? Of all songs? No, no. Their most famous song. Oh, their, I thought you said the most famous song. No. Their okay. most famous song. Which is so funny because the, 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 the lead singer has like, he sings in like this very high pitched voice. The guy's like six foot thirteen, probably three hundred plus pounds. It's like the funniest thing in the world. This to is watch. what? Who is this? What the band lead is singer this? of Coheed and Cambria? Coheed and Cambria. Okay, no, I don't know. I'm not familiar with them. Oh, surprise. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, so number five is Halo. Number four, Katamari Damacy. Yeah. Not sure if I'm saying that correctly, oh, but uh, yeah. I'm not sure if this one would work with an orchestra, but maybe a swing band with some synthesizers <laughs> on top. Um, I just want to hear Katamari on the swing and lonely rolling star live. <laughs> um, number three, a Castlevania medley. I mean, Ooh. the games are set in an age when classical music was new music, so it makes sense, right? Mix the classic tracks with some of the more modern MIDI slash orchestral tracks, and you've got a solid lineup of timeless music. Uh, number two, Earthbound, one of the most unique nice. eclectic soundtracks ever made. I think this could make for a very interesting orchestral performance. Oh, man, me too. And uh, number one, The Banner Saga. Ooh, that'd be good. Is, oh, that would be really good. <laughs> this is probably cheating since the music is already fully orchestrated, but I really love to hear the music for this game live. It was such a huge part in setting the mood for this game, and I think that it would uh, it would be much it would be that much more powerful to hear in person. Cool. Um, lastly, there's the GOG summer sale <laughs> going on as of the writing of this email. Uh, and with the recent controversy surrounding Steam, I decided to go balls deep into the GOG library. Nice. So I ended up buying, among other things, Dungeon Keeper, Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Damn Bad, <laughs> Bad Mojo. Sam and Max hit the road. Oh, we both got and, bad mojo. And Theme Hospital. There you go. Wow. Jack. That's, a, that's Thanks for that. I just bought Theme Hospital. Thank you, Samuel. <laughs> that, that was a nice haul. <laughs> um, I suppose my question for you this time is what game systems library would you like to go balls deep into? <laughs> Ooh. Um, um, interesting phrasings. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess... The obvious answer would be PC, but if we're not including that, yeah, I'm trying to think of a non-obvious one. What I would like to dive into, you know, SNES is kind of another obvious one, but I, honestly, so I, many. there are so yeah. many. I think it would be really fun to go a lot deeper into NES, even though hmm. you know I like. I'm That's sure both bad. of you have played many 
many NES games growing up. I would really like to go. There's something about them that is just a little bit different from from everything else. I would just really like to explore that, have a chance to explore that a little bit more. Also, no matter how many you've played, there's something like 700 licensed games. So <laughs> yeah, there's know. probably tons you have not experienced. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually funny you bring that up because there are times when I'm like, uh, what's console? Like, I try to rotate console game, which consoles I'm playing games for the podcast sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, oh, I've probably played most of NES games. And then I look, I'm like, I've barely scratched the surface. Like, I'm not even close. Yeah, yeah, same here. <laughs> yep. I think the the games that I play the most of tend to be DOS and NES. Those are my like number two. I'm surprised. Oh, I really? SNES. So yeah. many guitar Nintendo. Yeah, those just happen to be the ones I play the most of. Um, well, anyway, a Cyberpunk sale for you, Jay. Oh, w- what? There's a Cyberpunk sale on GOG for you. What? Oh, a whole Cyberpunk <laughs> section. We're all buy games during the podcast. What, what does what it have? What does it have? Play Cyberpunk. Where's this? Browse Cyberpunk. Beneath the Steel Sky, right Ruiner, Deus Ex, Observer. Have you played Observer? Ooh. No, yeah. I haven't. I would like to play that. I don't think I've heard it. of that one. It's a uh, Deus- fairly new one. Deus Ex is one of my like favorite games. I played that in high school. I would like literally stay up all night playing it, and I go to bed at like six a.m. and my mom caught me going to bed <laughs> one night. And she's like, "Are you just going to bed?" And I'm like, "No, I woke up to pee. What do you mean?" And I'm like, well, <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> have you played? Have you played Shadowrun uh, Dragonfall? No, I played Shadowrun, which is like the new re-released one, right? Dragonfall is an expansion for it. Uh, I don't know or if no. it's an expansion or more of a follow-up. Okay. Because yeah. that's the because the only version of the new one that I've played is Dragonfall. It was very good. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I played, I, when they re-released Shadowrun, I, I got in on that and played it, but then I didn't keep up with any of the expansions or follow-ups they did, so. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I should check that out sometime. I've, it uh, sounds like you would like this one. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Omicron, the Nomad Soul is on here, too. That was in a previous email. Hmm. Okay. I, I'm going to have to check this out later. Anyway. I was about to check it out, and then I looked at it, and it says owned next to it, so apparently I have that one already. Oh, no, that's the one that I just bought two seconds ago. This is the David Bowie one. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. (laughs) All right. Uh, All right. So the email continues. Uh, So, okay. So what uh, game systems library we like to go balls deep in? As in, play as many of the games in this library as possible, both good and bad. For me, I'm curious about the TurboGrafx-16. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I think that's interesting playing both good and bad games. Yeah, I I think that's that's an interesting way to think of it. Also, um, man, it really makes you wonder. You kind of want to find a balanced library. You know, I actually I actually <laughs> yeah. had a TurboGrafx sixteen, and uh, I really wish I still did. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, what happened to it? I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. It was one of those. We had um, a lake house. And we kept it at the lake house, and I don't know whatever happened to it after we stopped going up to the lake house. This was when I was ah. near, like, I was probably 12-ish or something like that when we had it. Yeah. I remember that was sort of, like, one of the rare systems. Like, everyone had NES and Sega Genesis. Right. But few kids had, like, the Turbo Graphics. Yeah, the games, so. the ga- the games came as, like, little, they weren't cartridges. They were, like, little cards, basically. It was, it was like. Oh, like, yeah, like, like playing cards, right? Almost. Yeah, almost. Thinner, thinner than a PlayStation memory card. Right. Yeah. It wasn't, 
the Nintendo, what was the the goggles one where you like leaned into the goggles? Weren't oh, the Virtual Boy. Car- yeah, wasn't weren't those cards as well? Or am I mistaken? Uh, maybe I'm not sure. I, I I'm not I, sure about that one. I think those were more like Game Boy cartridges or Game Boy Advanced right. cartridges. Okay. Pot- well, I, I could be wrong, but I think so. Um. Uh, anyway, the email continues. Um, I've only played a couple of games for the system, the TurboGrafx-16, um, but have heard that it is that it has a lot of fun and unique games. So I'd like to uh, do a deep dive in and see what all is out there. That'd be good. Not a bad idea. Um, I suppose that's all I've got. Feels good to get back on the email train after missing several episodes. Uh, I'll try to keep on track for future episodes, so hopefully you won't be getting three emails from me between episodes again. Stay cool, Samuel. Thank you, Samuel. And now we're... uh, (laughs) Okay, actually, I didn't even realize this at first. We have another uh, multiple email sender. Back to Amir. Oh, wonderful. I'm going to read this one because it's short. Jay, I'm going to give you the next long one. Uh... Just because my voice is going out a little bit. Amir says, hi guys, here's the list of games I'd like to attend a live orchestral performance of in no particular order. Elder Scrolls series, specifically Morrowind and Skyrim. Halo. Zelda series. Castlevania 2 Belmont's Revenge. Yes, from the original Game Boy. If you've never played this or heard the soundtrack, you really should. And finally, another obscure-ish game recommendation, Battle Realms. A really high-quality RTS with a unique Japanese setting, which I'm surprised didn't get more attention when it was first released. Graphics were quite were quite good were quite good for the time, and it had some really original game mechanics, rather than ape the Command and Conquer slash Warcraft slash Starcraft that most other players were doing. And he's got a link to Battle Realms. I'll, I'll give it to you guys so you can see it if you want. Oh, this one's not on sale. So, okay, that's probably good. So I don't get roped into it. Cool. Thank you, Amir. Um, Next is from Daniel. Jay, you got this. If my uh, mouse will start working correctly. There we go. Or Dan, I believe he goes by. That's how he signed it. All right. All right. You said it goes, I'm sorry, what do you say it goes by? Uh, Dan, it looks like Dan. Dan. Dan says, hi, Classic Gaming Podcast. I'm glad to hear Robert will give Zach McCracken another chance, even though Maniac Mansion is overall a better designed game. Well, I know, I, I, I'm not guaranteeing that he's, he's referring to our last top five games. We'd like to give a second chance. Not going to, I'm not saying I will give it another chance, but it's, it's on my list of games. If I did give them another chance, it, it's, it's one that I potentially would. Just want to clarify. Okay. Um, he goes on to say, I think Zach McCracken does more imaginative thing and more imaginative things uh, with the interface and the story. There aren't that many ways to get permanently stuck, but unfortunately there are a couple of items you can lose early on that will strand you much later in the game. It's not obvious at all when it happens. So a walkthrough just for that is probably a good idea. You should probably, uh, you should also try to figure out how to replenish your money early on since running out of it is probably the easiest way to get stuck. I'm looking forward to hearing what you think after you give it another chance. Somewhat on, uh, somewhat related to the topic of music from games we'd like to hear live, a few episodes back you were talking about Cuphead, which I'm playing through now, and even though it isn't a classic game, it does have a roundabout connection to music from, all cl- from classic games. I can see that. Uh, he says, on the game soundtrack, uh, excuse me, on the game soundtrack's list of musical influence, it lists Tom Breyer, 
and washboard Kitty Wilson, a couple a couple of ragtime performers from the Sacramento area who played together in the Raspberry Jam Band. Uh, Tom's friend Odell has a YouTube channel that has a lot of videos of Tom playing classic video game tunes in ragtime style, often sight read for the first time with a lot of improv- improvisations thrown in. Oh, that's Pretty cool. cool stuff. That's a very cool stuff. I have to uh, check this out too. This is from a different channel, but it's a video of Raspberry Jam Band playing the theme of Yoshi Island at West Coast Ragtime Festival a few years ago. He goes on to say, I think these YouTube videos are where the developer of Cuphead first heard of them, and the band style is definitely recognizable in certain parts of the game. It's kind of funny how it all works out. Cuphead's composers writing old-timey video game music based on old-timey interpretations of other video game music. Uh, Unfortunately, Kitty Wilson died a couple years ago. Jesus. Um, and Tom Breyer was severely injured in a car accident around the same time. Wow. Damn. So there aren't many any newer videos of them on YouTube, but there's still quite a lot of them before that, especially of Tom playing classic video game tunes. I really recommend you check them out. So to answer the question of the week of which video game soundtracks you'd like to hear, I don't have particular games in mind, but I'd love to hear more of these ragtime performer performances of older games, especially of stuff that wasn't originally written in that style. That's all I've got for now. Keep up the good work, Dan. Dan, thank you. Much appreciated. Good. That was good. Good, good. <laughs> All right. Um, oops. All right. I'll take the next one. This is... Almost lost it. This is from Ryan. Ryan says, Hello from hot, sweating Boy Scout summer camp. I found a break in the action to get an email out. Hope you all have a great podcast and that you are enjoying 40 Winks. I won't have time to play the game, so maybe I'll find a playthrough so I have a frame of reference. I like the idea of all of us playing the same game as you guys. Speaking of time, not much to play games this past couple of weeks. I haven't gotten in any retro gaming this week, but I did get some modern games in. I did sneak in some Super Mario Odyssey. It is so much fun to stumble around and discover power moons. I really think this is the highlight for me. I just run around, and if it looks like a place there is a moon, it generally does, or it, or it has the proprietary coins for that kingdom. The game I did play a lot was Puyo Puyo Tetris on the Switch. My wife loves Dr. Mario and Tetris, so a game that kind of mixes both styles is right up her alley. She gets so hooked on it that we play at times... That, that at, Sorry. She gets so hooked on it that we at times play for hours. We've been playing the demo on Switch, and it's a blast. The mode we like the best is the Switch mode that has you play Puyo Puyo for a couple minutes and then switches over to Tetris. So you have to balance the gameplay between the two as it continues to switch until someone loses. (laughs) That's pretty cool. All right, I need to wrap this up. So on to the top five. Number five, Vandal Hearts. Probably one of my favorite PS1 games and soundtracks. I would really like to hear an orchestral arrangement of this game. Number four, Skyrim. I've never played it, but I've heard a lot of the music. I think it would make a fantastic orchestral arrangement. And I'm sure one already exists. The intro is great, and the music only gets better. Number three, Castlevania Symphony of the Night and Rondo of Blood. One, somebody, I think, said the exact same Castlevania games. One could argue they are two parts of the same game. In fact, on the PSP remaster, uh, both games are on the same disc with an intertwined storyline. Interesting. I love the soundtrack enough. It is one of the few CDs I still own from the 90s. My favorite track would be watching an orchestra doing The Tragic Prince. Uh, Two, Mega Man 2 and 3. You could probably make a decent orchestral performance out of these two games. The intros for both are amazing and among the best on the NES in my opinion. 
Dr. Wily on Mega Man 2 is another track I really like. Then you just have to pick two. Yeah. Then you just have to pick two or three levels and you've got it. I could make money on this idea. If only I paid more attention in my music theory class in high school. <laughs> Jay, no, you said Mega Man X, right? Yeah, Does, I, I said the Super Nintendo one. Super, doesn't that take a lot of the songs from Mega Man 2 uh, and kind of do like a Super Nintendo version of those? Uh, I've only played it a little bit. Sure. I'm not too sure, to be honest. So I, I played a lot of Mega Man X. I only played Mega Man 1 and 2 at friends' houses. So like off the top of my head, like if I heard a Mega Man 1 or 2 song, I'd totally recognize it, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. So I don't know. The one that I know for... Yeah, because... I'm kind of saying, I only played Mega Man 2 growing up, and then I just started playing a little bit of Mega Man X recently. But the one right. that I, the one that I do know that I recognize was the song that goes da 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 Number one, Undertale. Oh, that's a good one. Huh. My nine-year-old son, number two of five boys, and I love this game, and we were speedrunning it together for a month. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> if they had an orchestral performance, if they had an orchestral performance, we would both go, no matter the price of the ticket. We both like the music. Wow. We both like the music that much. Heck, we still listen to orchestral and metal remixes of the game. Oh my gosh, I love the uh, Undertale soundtrack. I love uh, the, um, my favorite one, my favorite uh, songs on that one, Ryan, are Dog Song and is it Metal Crusher, Metal Cruncher? I forget, it's Metal Crusher or Metal Cruncher. I, I love, I absolutely love those songs. They're really bizarre, but they, it's kind of similar to um, Lisa in a way. They have these songs that are really super bizarre, but they somehow pull them together to where they work really well. What another great game, by the way. What, Lisa? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good one. That'd be, I don't know about orchestral <laughs> performance. That would be basically impossible. No, no, I, but I was just talking about, like, you know, we're talking about, we've been talking about Cuphead a lot and how great of a game it is. Oh, like, sure. Minus the music. God, Lisa was such a cool game. Yeah, yeah. Ryan says, all right, I should probably go find my son and see what he wants to do during his free time this afternoon. I think we will be hitting the rifle range. Nice. Yesterday, we were kayaking and swimming in the lake. Look forward to the podcast next week. Ryan. Awesome. Ryan sounds like you're having a fun time. I hope you guys had a good trip. Uh, thank you for the email. Yeah, thank you for the email. Next one comes from Chase the Night Cleaner. Uh, I know him. You know him. It is your turn, uh, J, J Gaming J. Oh, me, okay. Uh, sure. Oops, hold on. There's part of it, and here is the rest. All right. All right. His, his subject line is Chicka checka the emails. <laughs> All right. He starts it off. Hello, gentlemen. Chase the night cleaner with an email. Um, so how is the email section going so far? Very nice. Amazing. Seems like last episode was all about poking the bear and getting some teeth from the talent abroad. Did it work? Oh, yeah. Not familiar with that with that phrase, but I think I think he means I think it worked. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Getting teeth from the talent abroad. Yeah, I've never heard of that either. <laughs> well, we'll say, yeah, that we did that. Yes. Uh, we have plenty of teeth. Uh, <laughs> somehow, <laughs> E3 made me super happy. I own a Switch, and I am pretty excited to give Octopath Traveler a shot. Ooh, that looks good. What is that one? I, have, I didn't keep up with that. 
It is a uh, Square Enix RPG. Oh, and it's okay. it's gotcha. really interesting looking. It's got the characters are they look like uh Super Nintendo sprites, but they're in like really lush 3D environments. Oh, that's cool. Um I'll try to pull up screenshot, but uh it looks it looks if, as me as someone who I'm not I, I don't really love most I get bored by most RPGs. Um mm-hmm. this is one that I'm really considering buying probably because it it looks so good. All right, cool. Um, Robert, I also think you and I will have to play some Smash when it comes out, and we will have to make sure our good friend Jay has a Switch for the new Super Mario Party, <laughs> so we can all ruin each other's day. Forgot about that one as well. The new Mario Party I'm super excited about. So, I don't know if you guys play a lot of Mario Party games, but the last one was dog dude. They they made it so everybody moves in one cart together. Oh, I heard so of that. They don't move individually. There's oh, and Wii U? At the end of the round. It, 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 oh, geez, I thought it was, I actually thought that was I actually thought the this is the Wii U one, right? You are alone on an island. I thought it was actually kind of good. good. <laughs> you are alone on an island, my friend. Yeah, I kind of like the it. idea of all moving together. It, and really there's no mini games at the end of every round. It's only if you land on a special space. It like they they immediately went back to the old the old stuff. Well, the reason they're all together is because it's everybody versus Bowser, and the person with the Wii U controller, like the big one with the screen, is Bowser, and you have special things you can do, and you're it's like you versus oh. everybody else. That actually yeah. sounds kind of interesting, but yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, also, what is Starlink? It's like if Star Fox had a baby with toys to life, like Skylanders <laughs> or Infinity. So, uh, yeah, never been a better time to get a gamer, to get a gamer. And that is just the Nintendo stuff. Uh, Going to get personal for a second, guys. A few years ago, I told myself I didn't think I would ever buy a console again. I honestly felt like computers and retro consoles were enough to keep me happy. But I was wrong, man. Since I got back into playing stuff on the Switch and the PS4, I started to realize that I love playing games on consoles, Mm -hmm. with the exception of Grand Strats and rts games which have a real home which have a real home on pc oh yeah there's some stuff that just doesn't work on console oh yeah yeah um i think i prefer it actually i want to believe that some magic future was coming where we wouldn't have to buy consoles anymore and we could just do everything on the pc but it's 2018 that future didn't come and the console wars are still alive and as brutal as they ever were um yeah it's kind of of like flying cars i don't think they're ever gonna go (laughs) Um, which brings me to my question of the day. What was your favorite generation console war? Was it the 8-bit NES versus Sega Master System? 16-bit Super Nintendo versus Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive versus TurboGrafx-16? Oh, that's good. Was it the 32-bit Jaguar versus Sega Saturn versus PS1 versus 3DO and so on? The Jaguar was 64-bit, man. That's yeah. what the ad said. At it, least. Was, it was 64. Nah, I, I know what he's saying. That era of, of yeah. stuff. That's a good question. I, you know, I think that's a really good question, actually. Favorite generation console war. I would have to say Jaguar versus 3DO. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if I would include, I definitely would not include PS1 in that. Uh, Cause it came a bit later than that. And then it just totally wiped everything out when it, it came. It totally wiped everything out. And Sega, yeah. I, Sega Saturn may have been kind of part of it, but I don't really remember. I think that was a little bit later. Also, I mostly remember that weird kind of era as Jaguar and 3DO. And those were kind of the two, like, uh, those were the two non-Sega and non-Nintendo consoles 
that were out at the time that anybody was paying any attention to. Yeah. And it was such a weird thing because obviously none of them really turned, neither of them really turned out very well. It was, it was at the same time that everybody was sort of trying to figure out what people wanted in video games. So Mm -hmm. 3DO was leaning super hard into FMV type stuff. Whereas um, Atari Jaguar was more, was sticking to kind of like more traditional styles and just trying to give it a little bit more power. Um, maybe Jaguar went all in on the bits. They went all They're in like, on the bits. People want bits. Yeah. We got to give them bits. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. And mostly because it's, it's such a quirky time, I think is why, why that kind of era, that why that mm-hmm. console war is the yeah. most interesting to me. What do, what do you guys think? Um, just by the way, I, I remember the Jaguar and 3DO commercials. I don't remember a single person who actually owned any of those consoles. <laughs> I actually did have um, a 3DO. You did? Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't know anyone. Just like the Turbo um, Graphics, that one was lost to time, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I, I, my favorite era, I think, was a 16-bit era. That's sort of when I remember, uh, being into gaming maybe the most in my childhood mm-hmm. or at least into like sort of Nintendo consoles and stuff. Um, and yeah, I remember like schoolyard arguments about which is better and stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Nintendo or Sega. I remember Sega Genesis always felt like, like if you liked sports games, Sega Genesis was your console. And then it was sort of like Nintendo was more like weird Japanese games. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> yep. that's not that's like, funny. you know, Nintendo, of course, had sports games, and Sega had its own weird games. But that's sort of what it felt like. The mentality, yeah, at least. yeah, I kind of yeah, like you said. Even though Super Nintendo had plenty of really excellent sports games, I I, mm-hmm. I, I agree that kind of was the feel at the time, at least. I, I don't remember too many people advocating TurboGrafx sixteen at the time. Not that I don't think like I wanted to play Bonk's Adventure as a kid. I remember the commercials yeah. and thinking it looked so cool, but I just don't remember a lot of people having it. I don't I don't understand. Like was TurboGrafx not sixteen just like not advertised as much or harder to get in stores? Was it more expensive? Like I don't remember, but just fewer people had it and fewer than that even talked about it, you know? Yeah, I don't I, I yeah, that's a good question. I don't know what it was that did why it was that that, that it did so badly. Yeah. Um, cuz I don't think it was cuz I think it was cuz I like I said I had one. I remember it being a pretty good system. The games were pretty good. I don't know how much it cost at the time, so maybe it was like like the 3DO where it was just like prohibitively expensive or something like right. that. Or it could have yeah. just been that, you know, by this point there's Super Nintendo, obviously, and Sega Genesis, and people didn't necessarily need or want an additional thing. Because, I mean, if you've got Super Nintendo, that's that's all you need, really. That's true. I also remember around that era, like it was a big thing to like, it was common to go and rent video games on the weekend. And I don't oh, really yeah. remember TurboGrafx 16 games. Hmm, yeah, that's good. Very, very many rental stores. That's true. Yeah. So maybe that's why kids didn't want it. Could be. Yeah. Jay, any thoughts? Um, mine kind of, what you were talking about the, the schoolyard arguments, but mine was a little bit later. Um, the P- PS2, it was PS2 Xbox, the original Xbox era was, hmm was like two sides of a fence. It, you were on one camp or the other and everybody hated each other. And there was no logic to it whatsoever. <laughs> Nintendo wasn't even involved yeah. in the discussion at this time. It was so funny. I just remember people saying the dumbest things and making up all these random quote unquote <laughs> facts about each console. <laughs> and sales numbers. And it was just, 
so funny i never got caught up in like an actual argument of a console war like i was always on the like you know same way i feel now like okay well if that's what you want that's cool but i remember um like one of my friends telling me that he got in an argument with somebody of of all the quote console war arguments that get get into this guy was trying to argue this was in like you know third or fourth grade or whatever so obviously you know, take it with a grain of salt. But this person that my friend said he was arguing with was trying to tell him that um, Mac was better for gaming than PC. <laughs> oh, that's what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever believe that. And obviously, this was very, very long time ago. Yeah. But still, <laughs> there was never a time where that would even be close to a no. sensical statement. <laughs> even Mac fans will admit it's not a gaming device. Yeah. No, that's that's why the usually the versions for Mac, especially like the early 2000s came out way later than PC versions. Yeah. Yeah. Except uh sorry just for a very quick throwback, SimCity 2000 originally released <laughs> on Mac. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. It was originally Actually, Mac yeah, game. I do remember that. Holy crap, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, Chase's email continues. I've got a special place in my heart for the 16-bit era, so I'll stick with SNES versus Genesis versus TurboGrafx-16. Who do I feel won that race? Sure as hell wasn't the TurboGrafx. <laughs> nope. That is true. Um, well, thanks for reading this email, guys, and I hope you're having a good time. Always happy to help out, and also glad you're both so excited to get to this part of your show. Uh, thanks, as always, for all that you do. Cheers, Chase the Night Cleaner. Awesome. Thank you, Chase. All right, Jay, we got one from Jeff. All right. He says, yo, dudes, so much whining in the last episode about only getting three emails. I can remember the days when I felt pressured to send one in so you wouldn't get shut out and <laughs> start reading spam. Oh, yeah. the good oh, old Thanks, days. Jeff. Uh, I have no doubt that there will be an explosion of emails this week. You called it for yeah, sure. Really. I can't no promise shit. to keep this short because I got some stuff to say. First of all, NHL 94... Oh, here we go, Robert. You're going to love this. First oh, of all, shit. NHL 94 is so incredible, and I was happy to hear Rob give it give it its due. Rob? Hello. Rob was second to that table. Get out of here. What the fuck? I'm uh, the one who played it. I played it before you did, Jackass. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyways, um, I've probably spent more hours playing the Super Nintendo version. There's a Super Nintendo version of that game? I didn't. I don't think I knew that either. I knew there wow. was Sega Genesis and Sega CD. See, you guys just think Genesis is the only place to go to play sports games. <laughs> um, he says, I've probably spent more hours playing the Super Nintendo version than I've played any other console game. I remember the summer when I was 16 playing through multiple seasons and trying to see how, how bad of a team I could uh, win the Stanley Cup with. Or, <laughs> that's cool. That's crazy. Or, or if I could lead the league in goals with a defender. I could, and that man's name was Brian Leach. That's awesome. My go-to team was the Rangers because of I'm going to screw this name up. Messier? Messier, Messier? probably. Messier, Messier yeah. and Leach. Yeah. But I ended up loving the Calgary Flames too much. Oh, nice. Makes sense. Uh, too, because... Uh, oof. Genal? Genal? Was so fast. You know, uh, was so fast. <laughs> they were a little bit weaker of a team, so it was more challenging. It was the first game I can remember... Uh, that kept season-long stats and trophies at the end of the season felt very rewarding. The precision of the controls made scoring a one-timer or landing a well-timed check feel very rewarding, even though the fight mechanics were decent. Uh, A couple episodes back, Jonathan mentioned that he's always played a big tank-slash-bruiser character, probably just because he is a big guy. Interestingly, my best friend is a big dude. He played offensive line in college football, uh, but he always plays healers or archers, 
And I'm a small skinny guy. I was a distance runner and I've always preferred tanks or heavy hitting melee characters. Um, he was on to say, your current top five is a little tough for me because while, while playing a lot of RPGs and the music is pretty important, I usually only enjoy it in the game and rarely find it memorable, except in the case of Chrono Trigger. <laughs> the only ones I could come up with were boring and obvious. Number five, Mega Man 2 and 3. <laughs> uh, he says, this, is prob- this probably wouldn't work as a symphony, but maybe in a small concert setting with extra lives or proto men type band. Number four, Earthbound. Shit, yeah. <laughs> Number three, Final Fantasy IV. Number two, Breath of Fire Three, And number one, Final Fantasy VII. While you guys are on the topic of music, I thought I'd mention a band I really liked called Crying. They are a chiptune band, or maybe synth pop, not sure how to label them, and their first album uses actual Game Boy sounds that they captured. If anybody wants to check them out on Spotify or YouTube, I would recommend the songs Emblem, Old World, or Open. Okay. Cool. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. We'll check them out. That. All right, final email. This one's for holy shit, and this is a long one. This is from uh, this is from Jonathan. The uh, subject line says "not safe for work." <laughs> <laughs> he starts off his email, "Fuck me." <laughs> Following Chase's advice, I wrote an entire email already. However, I didn't want a virtual paper trail, so I wrote it out by hand? Fucking... Wow. And then he wrote, I fucking forgot the paper. Jeez. <laughs> Wait. He didn't want a virtual paper trail. How is he going to send... I'm not email? too sure. I'm not too sure. I'm not really following this either. <laughs> I mean, at a certain point, it's just mail, man. If you <laughs> I don't... I don't follow either. All I know is he wrote a letter and lost it. <laughs> gotcha. Question of the day. Who wrapped this famous lyric? Quote, I don't got that much of a bad mouth, do I? Fuck shit, ass bitch, shooby dee doo wop, skibbity bop, a Christopher Reeves? Eminem. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'll try and rewrite everything if I sound blunt. Well, I'm kind of drunk. I'm kind of drunk. Okay, that explains a lot so far. Some loose ends from last week. Rob. Number one, bromelain or something like that. It's an M- okay. This is related. This is in reference to my question about when I eat pineapple and it makes my taste buds not work for a little while. Bromelain or something like that. It's an enzyme in pineapple that is so strong that workers must wear gloves and a mask because the juices will erode their hands and face. Dear God. What? No, I don't have a research article for you, but this is the answer to your question. Holy shit. Okay, yeah, so last time he was like, it's probably an enzyme. And I was like, are you saying probably there's an enzyme that's doing it? Or there's a specific enzyme that's the, probably the problem? That, that was one of my question. This is, and so he's clarifying, saying yes, it is the specific Oh, enzyme. okay, okay, that makes more sense. I was a little confused for a second. Number two, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? How long have you done that? I took, glue, I took judo class as a UCF. I don't know what UCF is. I was blessed to be taught by Shinjiro Sasaki, a famous Japanese gold medalist. Oh, that's pretty sick. Too bad I blew out my knee trying to throw another guy. That class was fun. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I've been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for, I want to say, five years. Roughly something like that. Uh, number three, 49ers. I get your frustration, but look on the... Br- so his list here, this is not a list of anything. He's just responding to various things that we discussed in the last episode. 
Number three, 49ers. I get your frustration, but look on the bright side. You have a brand new quarterback and Jimmy G should do great things for your team. Number four, Mario RPG is a classic. Yes, it is. However, it is fun because of the quirky music, the battle system, and the humor. If you only like one of those things, then the game probably isn't for you. Which for me was the humor. I've heard you review this game before and I would recommend you just let it go. (laughs) Okay, maybe I will. Five, Secret of Mana is not a predecessor to Chrono Trigger. Who said that? Oh, he says, I know, I, I know I said that, but I meant that the systems and gameplay were such a breakthrough for technology and gaming that they led the way to my timeless RPG. Okay. Thank you for the clarification, Jonathan. Jay, this is yes. this is at you. Don't play Chrono Cross. Just don't do it. Are you, are you, convi- are you convinced? I think uh, I, based on I everything, moods. good point. I get moods. <laughs> you, uh, you'd have more. You'd have much more fun watching a let's play and playing a different game all the while, like Chrono Trigger. This that's game, actually not a bad point. Yeah, no, I think I, I don't think it is either. I think that's a good idea. This game had so many cool ideas, but just a poor execution, and it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Honestly, True. the game was awesome until one character does a body swap with another character. The game tried to do too much and ultimately failed at a lot of things instead of doing some things great. Uh, I agree with you about the frustrations of streaming sports. Football, especially, is difficult. When I lived in North Carolina, everywhere I went showed the home team. It was wonderful. Now that I am in Florida, there is an identity crisis. You see, in Orlando, you've got Tampa, Jacksonville, and Miami all around. Since the networks only show two games during primetime, it is rare that you see any game besides these teams. On top of that, the other games are dominated by big name franchises. I had to get the direct TV package and stream the games and stream the games that way. Pro tip, use the student discount for a huge reduction in price. Yes, I was a student. Oh yeah. I'll see if that mattered this year. Uh, real quick, I just thought of something randomly as I was reading this, uh, in reference to him saying he blew his knee out doing judo. Uh, Ryan, I almost did the same thing doing jujitsu because I was, we were practicing one day and the guy that I was practicing with tried pulling guard on me. We were starting, we were starting standing, which you don't always do when you practice uh, Brazilian jujitsu, but we were this day. The guy that I was practicing with tried pulling guard, which is where you, Basically, jump on top of the other person. I hope I'm not boring too many people with this, but I I thought I'd tell them about my own almost blowing my knee out story. You jump, you don't jump on top of the other person, but you sort of jump up and try to, and like wrap your legs around them in a way to where you pull them down on top of you. And the guy who did this, I had one leg a little bit farther forward and he jumped up on me and wrapped his legs around me and grabbed onto like my gi and he fell down directly on top of my knee that was forward. And my whole entire knee buckled, like literally buckled backwards. And some, through some miraculous way, I did not end up tearing anything. I did actually, I did fracture it, but, uh, but it somehow I didn't tear any ligaments or anything. So I got extremely lucky. So there's my almost blowing my knee out story. That sounds absolutely terrifying. Oh, it was, it was terrifying. (laughs) It was super painful and I could feel it go backwards and I felt it hurt really bad. And I was like, oh shit. But then like it stopped hurting and I was able to move it after just a few minutes. So I was like, okay, I guess I didn't mess up anything, but it does still give me problems now, but not too bad to where I can't train or anything like that. And um, like I said, I fractured it. I had to stay off of it for a little while, but it could have been a lot worse. 
Uh, all right. Jonathan continues. He says, Ryan, if you're going to give Tales of Destiny another chance, I highly recommend Tales of Destiny 2 for the PS1. However, I've read some confusion about the game. Apparently, another Tales of Destiny 2 was released for the PlayStation 2, and it is another game entirely. <laughs> That's hilarious. The one I am referring to got re-released as Tales of Eternia. Furthermore, the PS version is like $200. Fuck, where's my copy? So I found a guy on Etsy that creates custom art on CDs and installs the ROM. Is this a real thing? Check it out. One specific thing that... And he, he's, he gives us a link. One specific thing that caught my eye is Chrono Killer. Watching the video, it seems a bit weak, but still the ideas... The idea of a 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up featuring Chrono, Trunks, and Samurai Jack is pretty badass. But yeah, is this legit? Can I buy a ROM on a CD and play it on my PS1? That would be so much cheaper than bidding on eBay. I have no answer for you. Um, Jonathan, maybe Ryan knows. Charles Barkley, shut up and jam Gaiden. You guys have got to look into this. It is a full-fledged RPG, or at least it looks that way. Even got a sequel in the making. Okay, I think I'm caught up to the current week. I love how he just like basically bullet-pointed like, 10 miscellaneous things that we talked about in the last episode. Uh, caught up to the current week. E3 looked pretty cool this year. Ghost of Tsushima looks basically like the Anamusha sequel I've always wanted. Yeah, I think if, if that's the game I'm thinking of. I think I thought that looked pretty cool too. Dreams is an incredible game that uses interface and sharing and tools to create games and experiences like nothing before. Watch the video. You won't be disappointed. I don't think I saw this one. Rob asked for nudes. Sorry, none this week. And then he wrote eight equals 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 D to draw a, a picture. I misquoted the Street <laughs> Fighter account. There you go. I misquoted the Street Fighter account on Twitter. I neglected to listen to the entire episode before tweeting. As it turns out, Rob mentions Street Fighter 2 more times during Chase the Night Cleaner's email. In fact, if Rob is reading Street Fighter... If Rob is reading Street Fighter this, then Street Fighter, he has said Street Fighter five times in the last minute or so. Street Fighter. <laughs> okay. Something else really cool happened about a week ago. My wife agreed to let me buy a second smaller TV and set it up to the set it up next to the main TV in the living room. Now I can play my video games with her while she is watching her shows. This is a game changer. Nice. And finally, top five. Kind of inspiring that I inspired the top five this week. Of course, it didn't help that that meant that most of my options for this week were pre-disqualified. Oh, well, here it goes. Number five, Zelda. Talk about nostalgia. This has to be one of the most iconic soundtracks in existence, and I'm sure that many others have already mentioned this one. Number four, Chrono Cross. You may... I'm going to go on a, on a limb here and say there's not going to be a new one here. Not because he doesn't have any new ideas, but because everybody seems to have like the, like a, the same ideas on what game soundtracks are great. So let's see. Uh, Chrono Cross, you may have taken away my favorite option, but this is almost as good. Yasunori Matsudo continued his expertise with this game and Xenogears. Much of the tranquil and mystery of music is on display this time around. Number three, Halo. I still remember the yeah. goosebumps I got when listening to this the first time around. The choir with the orchestra is really hard to describe with mere words alone. Number two, Final Fantasy. You can take away 610 tactics and more. Doesn't matter. Every game has wonderful pieces, and I would love to attend a tribute to the series as a whole. Number one, Rob, want to guess? Look below for the answer. Oh gosh, don't want to guess. Uh, I want to say, if he's asking me, I'm going to say Metal Gear Solid. What do you say? Kingdom Hearts! <laughs> oh, 
That's, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, okay, I guess I can't really argue with this, though. What an awesome soundtrack. Almost as good as the gameplay. Speaking of which, Kingdom Hearts 3 looks awesome. I can't wait to hear Rob's review. <laughs> you know, I will admit, visually, I agree that Kingdom Hearts 3 looks awesome. I don't think it's going to play awesome. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Kingdom Hearts series gets better after one. Do you have any idea, Jay? Have you played any of the other ones? I, I'm not a huge fan of them anymore. Okay, so... So visually, yes, I agree. King, Kingdom Hearts three does look very, very. Have you good. seen the lineup of characters that's coming out in the most, the most, the new one that they announced? Or they talked about E three, three Kingdom Hearts three. No, I don't think it's. Is it? Is it called three? Because it's definitely not the third one. They've done like fifteen games. Well, but, but they're called no, no, no. But this is the this is called Kingdom Hearts three. This new one is. Whatever. Anyways, you should uh, look at the lineup of characters that are going to be uh, guest stars in it. It's oh, I've looked at it. I the think most it... bizarre lineup I've ever seen. Well, it's all Disney stuff. I know, but it just looks so weird. I think Doesn't it have uh, the guy Johnny Depp from yeah. Uh, yep. Johnny yeah. Depp is it. It's weird because the game's very cartoony, and then yeah. you have Johnny Depp who looks realistic. I thought that was really cool how they. Did. I actually, I actually, you really are so that. weird, Robert. Oh my gosh! It, I thought it was cool how they like take it into a realistic view, for, like a realistic uh, style for that one part of the game. I thought it looked awesome. I did not. I thought it looked really bad well you're wrong he says i can't wait to hear how many people wrote in after you called them out last week <laughs> well it worked talk to you soon and that was once again from jonathan thank you jonathan uh that's it for emails we did it thank you so much everybody who wrote in that was uh th- this is this was definitely the biggest email section we've had i think ever yeah thank you guys very much seriously I'd- this is an excellent section. Yeah, don't be shy. Just write in. I had fun. Jay had fun. Both had Jays fun. had fun. So did I. Everybody had fun. Everybody had a good time. The people who wrote in had fun. Hopefully the people who are listening had fun. Everybody wins. It's a win-win-win-win situation. Mail us at mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Uh, uh, top top five for next week. Jay, um, it is time for our top ten of 25 years ago. Is it list. really? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I feel like we just did that. That's so crazy. I don't know how it feels like that to you because it is. I don't remember anything about the last time we did it. I mean, obviously, I don't it was remember a, anything about. It. I, I just feel like it was recent. That's so crazy. It's I, know. Cra- I mean, it was a year. Time ago. is flying by. So, top ten games of twenty five years ago. What was that? Ninety three. Yeah. Hmm. It was. Wow. I mean, yeah. Okay, so top 10 games of... Uh, that is right, right, isn't it? Yes, 18 minus... Just, yes. Okay, yeah, 1993. Sorry, I just don't trust myself. Top 10 yep, games... we're of, old. So pull, so pull up a list. <laughs> Thanks, you, Jay. You can, you can easily find it on Wikipedia. Just type in, like, video games 1993. Wikipedia will have a list of uh, all the video games released in 1993. Skim through it. Pick out your top 10. Email us if you want. That's what we'll be doing for our lists. Yep. Um, this is kind of our version of people's end of the year top 10 lists. We're doing a middle of the year top 10 of 25 years ago list. Um, pull up my notes. What else do we got? All right. Real quickly. Oh, no. Again, that's mail at claim. Mail Whatever at- Robert says real quickly when we get to this section, you're talking 45 minutes <laughs> right now. That's not true. It's so true. That's impossible. I've been playing 16 new games. I'm going to talk about them briefly. <laughs> I've got two to talk about. Well, our current gaming subcast, by the way, is where we are. 
Um, r- real quick, because we're going on for a while. J and J, do you have any current games that you've been playing that you want to talk about briefly? You want to go first, Jay? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So recently, uh, when I haven't been making sort of retro videos, I've been playing the new BattleTech game that came out. Oh right. Um, yeah, by Hairbrain Studios. I think the same guy, the same people who did uh, Shadowrun Returns, which we mentioned already. Oh, that's right. Okay, I, I forgot. I knew that I knew their name from somewhere. I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, and actually, kind of a cool thing about the company is they have the original creator of BattleTech of the board, the tabletop BattleTech game, working. Oh with wow, them, so. that's cool. Um, yeah, development of the PC game was sort of done with the original creator, which is kind of cool. Hmm. Um, it's a fun game. You play as a mercenary unit. You um, uh, have a squad. It's kind of like XCOM, the new XCOM games that came out. You have a squad of mechs that you send into combat, and you have pilots that pilot the different mechs. Uh, you have to take contracts and try to earn money and earn salvage off the battlefield. So when you are sort of fighting enemy units, you don't have to just think about how to win, but sometimes you might think about how to destroy a mech with doing as little damage to it as possible. So maybe you could salvage it because you want that mech oh, in your cool. squad for uh, later. Um, so it has a lot of fun mechanics in it. It is an addictive game, uh, but I was uh, saying to uh, Robert and Jay before the podcast that it also is, uh, it's an indie game. And so there's parts of it that aren't optimized. Uh, for instance, loading screens between missions and even going from your ship to like your mech bay and stuff. Um, there are some periods where you're waiting and um, the, de- the devs have said that, you know, they're planning on fixing a lot of these issues over time. You know, they're a small studio, uh, but I think they recently had a big influx of cash. They might've been bought out by a larger publisher. So no. things- well, uh, I think it was not like an EA large publisher, but it was like a, a I know, I know, st- I know that the publish the the publisher for this game was Paradox. Yeah, I think is, Paradox uh, bought them. Bought oh, the okay, studio. did they really? Okay, that's Paradox yeah. is that's a good. They are a good publisher. So if that's the case, then I have faith that I have complete faith in Paradox. They're good. Yes. So the idea is they want to bring out more DLC, more patches, and stuff. So. Um, the game looks like it's going to continue to expand over the next few years, which is kind of exciting. But uh, yeah, if you're a fan of Battletech or you like uh, tactical games, uh, it's a fun one. Uh, and it'll pull you in. Yeah, it looks really cool. I was telling you earlier, I, I, I definitely plan on playing it at some point. Yeah. Yep. Jay Tataru? So uh, I've been playing a couple, a couple games, actually. So oh, I've wow. been talking a lot about... Yeah, so I've been playing a lot of StarCraft 2 again, uh, which has been super fun. Um Probably going to continue to play it. I just really enjoy it. I've been craving an RTS for a while. I tried playing a couple older ones or some other different RTSs just to kind of see if it would capture me, but Subbot StarCraft really calls my name, so I've been spending a good amount of time playing that. Um, I've also been playing the sort of spiritual successor to Bloodline Champions, which is called Battle Right. Um, it's an arena-style, top-down, um, sort of, I don't know how to describe it, but essentially you, you pick a champion and then you either do 2v2, 3v3. I don't know if there's anything above 3v3, but and essentially you pick three, uh, two or three champions and you fight and you control your champion. You have different abilities and there's is some real strategic... Like, is it kind of like League? Is it like a MOBA? Kind of, but you, there's no farming. It's, what I love about the game is you basically, you're in a starting area, you see what the opponent's composition is, you pick your talents and then you just run at each other. There's a <laughs> lot of strategical elements to it. There's different <laughs> compositions. It's a very, very good game. I would really love to see this become a 
pretty big esport. I think there's a lot of balance to it. The developers seem to really care about the project. Um, it's just all around, just a really, really well-rounded game. Uh, just to give you guys a heads up, so I've been playing Theme Hospital a little bit while we're finishing up the podcast, and I <laughs> killed a patient. And there, there's like this narrator that kind of tells, talks you through the game, and he goes, hey, you killed your first patient. How does it feel? <laughs> That's what he just said to me. <laughs> uh, the patient had a big head syndrome where his head's inflated, and you're supposed to build this room that pops it and then rebuilds the head. At yeah, a yeah, I remember that one. Jesus, whatever it was, it failed and he died. <laughs> well, I think the head popping technology is a risky maneuver. <laughs> is that what, that's not what they told me. My janitor assured me that the system's working well. So I don't know. Your janitor? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you were scared for a minute there, weren't you? Is that it for you, Jay? Yeah, that's it. Uh, I got two games. Yeah. This is the one that I didn't, the first one is the one that I didn't mention during when I was going through my goggle list because I want to save this one as a surprise. I don't know, I, I don't really know why. I think I bought this for the same reason I originally bought Honey Pop. I guess, maybe. Uh, Hadoful Boyfriend. I thought this was a, like a dating simulator. Except I know that the characters in the game are pigeons. And, um, so I was like, okay, I want to finally see what this game, like, I knew it wasn't like my type of game, but I was really interested to like, see like, what is it about this game that people like? Cause it's a fairly well-known game, I think. Um, and so I bought it and it's not even really a, um, dating simulator. It's more (laughs) like a, uh, like a, just a, so it's a, it's a visual novel type game where there's not, where there's very limited gameplay and that's, that's by design. It's mostly just trying to tell a story and it like at certain points in the story, it's like, what do you want to do now? Do you want to do this or that? And you choose. And even that stuff doesn't have a huge effect on the story. It just kind of will take you through different branches and it's not even really a dating sim. It's like you're in school and everybody's, all the characters are birds, but you're a human and that's it. And then you're just basically trying to like socialize with all these birds. And this is popular. It's somewhat popular. Yes. I mean, it's obviously a very niche game, but for its niche audience, it's a, I, I, my understanding is it's a fairly well-known game. I saw it on sale uh, on the GOG sale. I was like, well, now's my time to, to see what this is all about. Um, and I gotta say, I don't quite get it. But also, I kind of, like, part of me gets it and part of me doesn't. It's it's really strange and awkward. And I kind of feel like that's almost all there is to it. And that's all it's trying to do and all it has to do, really. Um, I don't really know what else. Birds. Socializing with some birds. It's like, and, and like, really random stuff happens to be besides just them being birds. So, obviously... You're like, it's really weird that you're in a school and you're like talking to birds, like your teacher's a bird and like your friends are all birds, you know, every other character's a bird besides you. And, but then it's like, do you want to go? Then it'll be like, do you want to, oh, okay. It's after school now. What do I want to do? Do I want to go to the library or go home or go like practice at this track meet or something like that? And so I went to the track. I don't think it was a track meet. I think it was like track practice. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I went there and there was a pigeon and, uh, he was, and like, no action happens on screen when, when stuff's happening. It's just like, you just see the portrait of the bird and like text. And he's like telling you what he's doing basically. And he was like, this one bird at the track practice was like, 
oh, this pudding is so stupid. I'm going to stomp all over this pudding. <laughs> and you're like, what? Like, even your character in the game was like, what are you talking about? He's like, this isn't real pudding. I hate it. And then he's just like, I'm going to stomp all over it. Huh. And and, uh, <laughs> and that's, and then, yeah. And then you're just like, Jay, and you're like, huh. And then, uh. You know, I could see that being a little interesting because you'd be wondering where is it going to go next. Yeah, I think that's part of it probably. And then I finished a playthrough and I got basically the bad ending. And then I played through a second. Like it took like like one playthrough takes like 45 minutes. If you're reading okay. all the text, there's also a, an option to like do fast forward motion or literally fast forward through all the text and then pauses when you have to make a decision. And playing through that mode takes like 15 or 20 minutes. So I did a second playthrough that way and got, you know, a little bit different ending. Kind of like, uh, there are some like mysteries that, that pop up to unlock that are kind of like weird and, and supernatural and stuff. It's a very okay. strange game. I mean, just by what I've said, you can tell if this is something that you think you want to check out. Or if, it, if, it, if you're like, what the fuck, why would anybody like this? Then this game's probably not for you. If you sound intrigued. If you feel intrigued, then maybe that is probably something that that I that again I can't explain it. I didn't love it, but I but I but I respect what it does because it's super weird and it's kind of like I I feel like when I was playing this game, I felt like the game was so confident in what it was doing that it didn't matter if I understood it or not. I think that's the best way that I have to describe it. it wasn't trying to earn your respect. It wasn't trying to. It was like this is what <laughs> I am. This is what I'm here to do. And I'm like, all right, cool. Hey, you do that. That's cool. Uh, so that was Hadoful Boyfriend. The second one, I'll try to be much quicker this time. Like Jay said, usually when I say let's do this very quick, that means I have a million things to say. Uh, the second one is Cataclysm Dark Days Ahead, which I have been playing. Uh, I've mentioned this. I, I talked about this last time, or it was either the last one or two episodes ago. This is a post-apocalyptic roguelike, uh, very classic style roguelike where it is ASCII graphics. And uh, there are tile sets. You can download tile sets that basically are mods where it uses real tile sets that people have created. But I really prefer the ASCII graphics anyway. So that's, that's what I'm using. And incredibly in-depth game. So many systems at play that it's just kind of mind-blowing. Uh, the point is, it's a roguelike. You start off in one of like a hundred different types of scenarios based on kind of what, mostly based on what kind of character you want to play as. Mine that I've been doing is sort of like the beginner type player uh, character where you're uh, a survivor and you are, you start off the game in a survival shelter and it's just you and one other person. And basically your game is literally just to survive. There's zombies all over the place. There's all sorts of weird, like abominations all over the place. And there's also regular wildlife and 99% of the world is dead. And you're kind of going into town trying to, find food, uh, trying to avoid zombies and just trying to find ways to survive. There's a lot of crafting involved and stuff like that. Um, so I've been playing that some more. I started a new game because I got killed on my last one and some a couple of really interesting things happened that I hadn't seen yet. So I was playing a, a, a female character this time just cause I was like, just basically for no reason. I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'm just going to pick a female character. It makes almost no difference in, in the game, whether you pick male or female. So I'm in the uh, shelter just kind of doing some of the pre-game, like, like not pre-game, but early game stuff that you will almost always do right at the beginning of the game. And it says, uh, I got a message that says, you hear some shouting to the east. 
And I was like, oh shit, what's this? And then it says, you hear somebody yell, fuck. And I was like, oh damn, what's going on? And then it says, uh, you hear somebody yell, emergency, emergency. And then like I was looking out the window because line of sight is very specific in this game. If you're inside a building, then like everything around the building will be black because you can't see it. So you have to go up to a window and specifically open the curtain to be able to peek out. And even then you can only have, you only have like a cone of vision out the window. And uh, I couldn't see much. And then I hear, uh, and then it says uh, another message pops up and it says, you hear somebody yell, go to hell, you piece of shit. And I was like, what is going on out here? Cause I've never seen anything like this. I look out the right. window and all I can see, you know, of course it's ASCII graphics. So it's like weird little symbols that I have to basically hover over to see specifically what they are. So I'm like, what is this? And then all I see is like three or four corpses. I'm like, what the hell is going on? But somebody is still yelling it from time to time. And then I see this one kind of symbol walking around. So I'm like, okay, so there's something alive. Let me highlight this and see what this is. It's some sort of creature called a, a Migo or a Migo. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. And it, sa- it describes it as basically some sort of humanoid crustacean creature walking around. And it says that it describes it as its head looks like the insides of a fish. And I was like, what the hell? So this thing's walking around and there's dead people all around and there's somebody yelling. But I said, so I don't know exactly what's going on still. And so I never, I never quite figured it out until I was, I was wandering. I was going from my uh, little survival shelter to town and it was at night because especially early game, it's safer to go out at night because there's less chance uh, that zombies will see you because their vision is very, very bad at night, even less than yours is. So I was walking around through grass to try to get to town to try to loot some houses. And I was going back and I was basically in an open, very dark field going back. And I, and it said, all of a sudden it says to the Southwest, you hear somebody yell, mommy, mommy. I was like, Oh, I guess there's a kid here. I'm going to go see if there's like something I can do. So I went over to where this, um, sound was coming from. And it was this Mygo creature. And I looked it up and apparently, yeah. And apparently this creature imitates human voices to try to attract you to it. And then it just kills you. So, so that was like, and that's almost all that happened then. It was like super creepy. So I just, I, I turned it into run mode where you can run and you can like go more tiles per turn, but, uh, obviously it makes you tired quicker. So I just ran away as fast as I could because I didn't know like whether this character, whether this type of monster in particular was super powerful or not in the early game, you can take on some like really low level monsters, but that's about it. You, you basically will die to anything that's not just super weak. <laughs> so I, I, I pulled up the wiki for this game just to see like if this monster was something that I would have been able to fight. And, <laughs> and it had this wiki has kind of like a difficulty level for each of the monsters. And there's, there's a zombie called a tough zombie and it is very hard to kill and will usually kill me in the early game. And it's difficulty level is three. <laughs> this this monster's difficulty was like 26. Oh my God. <laughs> so that was, good thing uh, ran. yeah, it was a good thing I ran. So that was a really cool and creepy thing. I thought that happened. That's really creepy. Uh-huh. And, wow. uh, and it was some, something made it creepier with it being just text messages on the screen somehow. I'm right. not sure. I feel like it would have been not as bad if it was the actual sounds of, of a person saying all this stuff, but just to every once in a while, I get a message that says like, you hear somebody yell mommy, mommy or something like that. Right. Um, 
and then like the descriptions of the creatures that it gives are, are, are really detailed and kind of disturbing. So that was cool. One more other thing that happened this game, and then I'll stop talking is I was looting an electronics store because most of the, some, there are some like things you can find like screwdrivers that'll help you disassemble things so you can build stuff. Then you'll find some things that you can like take the batteries out of and you can use them for other things. I was looting the electronics store and came across, I was like, okay, what's this symbol on the ground? Let me highlight it and see. Well, it was a vibrator. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'll take this. At least I can uh, use the batteries for it, probably. And then, so I picked it up and I was carrying it around. And uh, <laughs> I was like... I swear I'm only holding this for the batteries. <laughs> yeah, only for the batteries. And I was like, I wonder if it'll let me use this. if I if I use, Because there's like a generic like use button that you can use on. like You know, if you have matches, it'll make you light a match, for instance. And so I was like wonder what happens if I do this. So I press the use button and it get, pulls up my inventory and asks me what I want to use. And I selected the vibrator and it says like, you feel a release of tension and, and my, uh, you, you have a gauge of how happy you are. And I think it affects like how well you learn like skills from books or something like that. And how well you can like focus and battle and things like that. And, it, and it's just a, it's just a face. It's like a ASCII face where it's like a colon and a parentheses literally. And like, I was all the way sad but then after I used this, my face immediately turned all the way happy. <laughs> so, so there's, you didn't just turn it on, you used it. Uh, apparently so. <laughs> so that was my, uh, there's my weekly update on Cataclysm Dark Days Ahead. Cra- crazy, very, like, one of the most impressive games I've honestly ever played. But that's cool. it. We are, this, is, this has been a long podcast, so we should probably wrap it up. Jay? Yes, sir. Uh, you were you were correct about me going on for a very long time. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, no surprise here. Jay, why don't you wrap us up? You're good at this. Wait, me? Jay. No, no, no. <laughs> Come on. Don't don't pass this off on our guest. You got this. Whoa. Um. <laughs> yeah. How about them? How about that local sports team? Okay. Game of the quarter. We are doing this, our next episode, the game of the quarter, which is a new thing where Jay and I are going to play the same game and all of our listeners are invited to also play the game, write in what they thought about it. That game is 40 Winks for PS1. We randomly chose a game and that's what it happened to be. So uh, if you've been playing it, make sure you write in for the next episode about 40 Winks. If you haven't played it and you want to, go for it. You got two weeks until our next episode. Um, just make sure you get your email in on time. Well, I mean, I guess if it's late, it doesn't matter. We'll read it regardless. Uh, our top five, once again, well, top 10 is top 10, top 10 games from 1993. Um, great topic. Great topic. Yeah. That was a good year. Actually. I'm, I'm really excited to see what, what games we have this time. I feel like it's going to be, I feel like there's going to be like 50 that we all want to have on our list. Basically. Um, be sure to. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us amazing reviews on iTunes. Tell everybody else you know to listen to us. Follow us at Class Gamescast. I'm at King Octavius. Jay David, tell us about where people can find you. Yeah, um, I am over on YouTube. You can find me youtube.com uh, slash gamingj1001. Um, there I do mainly let's plays. And, uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm on a quest to play through the book, a thousand one video games you must play before you die. So 
every couple of days I try a new game and uh, there's we usually have lots of fun with these games. There's lots of variety. So uh, yeah, please head over there. Check me out. Um, I might, uh, might be just what you're looking for. <laughs> you can also <laughs> find me on Twitter. Uh, it's gamingj1001 again. Uh, that's pretty much my handle for most social medias and stuff like that. I'm also on Twitch if you prefer to watch me there instead of YouTube. But uh, but yeah, if you're looking for old retro Let's Plays, um, I'm your guy. What was the, well, I'm sorry. Remind me again. What was the last one that you did? Was it was it World of Warcraft? World of Warcraft, actually. And I, I, that's, I was watching that video earlier. <laughs> yeah. cool. I've never played World of Warcraft before, uh, so I was playing it for the first time. I actually have a part two coming out tomorrow. Uh, for World of Warcraft. So for the bigger games, I like to try and give them two parts. Um, yeah. You know, my series is not about usually beating games. I sometimes beat games, but it's mostly about trying them. And so for the bigger games, sometimes I give them two parts to just try and try more of the stuff in them. And WoW is definitely a big enough game that I, I don't, I, I couldn't do it all in just one part. So um, yeah, especially something like WoW. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. Do you, uh, I'm curious. I was thinking about this. I was wondering this earlier. Does that book happen to have Dwarf Fortress in it? That is a good question. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, definitely, it's got Minecraft in it. Okay. Um, so, actually, I should say one thing I do in my channel, too. You know, like the main videos, I am playing through that book. But I also play occasionally, like, supplemental games that aren't in the book. Because as interesting as the book is, it does have some issues and it has left out some iconic games. So occasionally on the weekend, I will play a game that's out of the book that is just classic or that people have recommended to me. And if Dwarf Fortress isn't in the book, then I'm almost positive I have it on my list of like outside the book games to play at some point. Cause, gotcha. Yeah, because that is the game that w- the Minecraft was based off of, right? Uh, yeah, or inspired by, I think it would be. Inspired by, yeah. yeah, that's a better way to phrase it, yeah. Uh, but if, you know, if people here are listening and you have, like, ideas like that um, for games that aren't in the book, but that are iconic, I am also always looking for recommendations. Um, so feel free to, like, leave a comment on one of my videos if you think of something like that that uh, I need to play but isn't in the book. I would really, I, I would really like to see you <laughs> give dwarf fortress for, 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 first off the two things one i would like to see you play it um you've i assume you it sounds like you haven't ever played it never played it never <laughs> okay for, <laughs> i would like you this this is just my own wish mm-hmm. i would like to see you try to play it without any tutorial or any background information whatsoever oh god for like isn't it first like for like for maybe like 30 minutes then okay, like, yeah just to just to give it a shot just to see like i just kind of want to see your reaction uh and then like maybe watch a couple tutorials and then and then give it a legitimate shot just to kind of I, I would just like to see your reaction um right to just try and play it blindly basically because i think it would be that, a funny reaction that's an interesting suggestion usually for games that are complicated like that i usually do look up a little bit about how to play mm-hmm. but i've definitely blind played some games before um, that'd be an interesting one to try and play blind. See how much <laughs> I could figure out. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Uh, it would be. I, I think not. Not just in the sense of like to make like to torture you, <laughs> but I think it would be very entertaining <laughs> just for anybody to see anybody try to like play this game blind. Yeah, because it's essentially impossible. 
I think what I've learned through making my videos is that half the time it's fun to see me do well at games. The other half of the time it's fun to watch me just totally bomb at them. So <laughs> yeah. It's win-win, really. I either do amazing or I do terribly. There People you go. Seem to like it both ways. So <laughs> Exactly. All yeah. right. Well, Jay, thank you again for joining us. This was fun. Yeah, of course. Yeah. As Anytime. always. It was a pleasure. Um, Jay Totter, do you have any final words before we bust out of here? Banana. All right, that's a good one. That's a good word. <laughs> Jay, do you want to do one single word, just like other Jay? You got one? Uh, Excalibur. Excalibur, that's a good one. I'm going to go with, uh, uh, how about, how about uh, meatloaf? meatloaf? No, I'm going to go with Shelf. Oh, I like Meatloaf. It's too bad. Aw. All right, thank both of you guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you all in two weeks. See you, everyone. <laughs>